Welcome back, everyone. It's Chase and Josh with Fact or Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh. We're here to give you the final episode, episode 8 of season 2 of The Witcher today. It all opens at the close. It's that last episode that you're going to get until they come out with another season, maybe next year or the following year, however long it takes them to film. But we are excited to give you the final episode in the second season today. Today it's going to be Chase's day to kind of take you through everything that happens. We're going to go over some debates, some of the monsters that appear in here. There's some badass ones. And it's just going to be a real fun-filled episode. And then we got like a special surprise at the end that we'll talk about for The Witcher that may come next week as well. So with that being said, I'll turn it over to Chase. And before he jumps into uh, Episode 8, I'll give a quick recap of Episode 7 in case you guys had missed out and didn't tune in. Just to kind of give you where we're at. Uh, with that being said, I'll turn it over to Chase and say, hey, before I give that recap, and then he'll dive into it after that, and we'll keep this train rolling. Yeah, man, and the train keeps rolling. It's rolling around the bend. <laughs> yeah, man, the climax is, uh, we are here. We are at the climax of season two today. What a ride it has been. Um, I, I really like the way we've done it this year. It's been a really good surprise for our listeners here, you know, we've gotten to take eight full episodes and take our time with this. We got to find out the interesting stuff on the monsters. Here, the fan theory and lore with our debates on where this possibly could go. And man, uh, every time we turn around, even if we feel like it's getting rushed for a minute, another twist and turn comes around. And that's what they've done so great about this show. So uh, stoked to get into it today. Uh, even at the very end here, you know, we're going to have some surprises. So, But I'll turn it back over to Jay Nelly for that recap, and we'll get it started. Sounds like a plan, brother. Now, let's kind of raise the glasses up, a little mouse in the chalice action before we get this show on the road. And that's, man, raise Mouse it up, in bro. the chalice, man. Off to the pit of misery. Well, let's see what kind of misery awaits our people today. But to kind of give everyone a little recap from last week... You know, we had that whole situation where it was the the end of the big battle from the previous episode, episode six, and Geralt's kind of going over the bodies. We see Redania crowns on the, on the Michelet brothers, and that could play a big role in the stuff going forward. Yennefer, of course, has Cirilla and has kind of convinced Cirilla that Geralt could be in trouble to try to get her to Sintra to help save him. So we're going to, you know, we followed along there as well. We already know that Yennefer knew that Geralt was fine, but she had her own mission, her own objective, because she wanted to get her magic back. And we kind of have the little thing at, at Eratuza where Dijkstra kind of comes in his little snake-like self and tries to ruffle up some feathers by basically telling Tissaia without telling Tissaia that she, that he knows that Triss was in Kaymoran and that she knows a little bit more than she's letting on to the rest of the Brotherhood. And then we kind of kind of go over to this whole situation where Fringilla and Nilfgaard is having like a power struggle with Kahir and the general hack. And, you know, she ends up uh, trying, like, thought, thought about going back to the Brotherhood actually until her uncle kind of made her feel like nothing. And then she's like, well, screw it. Now I got to figure it out for myself. And yeah, so, you know, another th cool thing that happened as well. We get Yaskir and Geralt reuniting. He breaks Yaskir out of prison, and they are on the road together again. We got the meetup with the dwarves. Yarp and Zigrin came back into play with his group of uh, uh, dwarf army, and that was pretty cool. Um, we had the whole revelation that the elves no longer want to fight for Nilfgaard because they want to rebuild their own population. And then uh, some things kind of start going a little haywire for everybody. 
uh, what ends up happening? Frangilla ends up killing a bunch of the people at that table, only leaves Kahir alive. Uh, Yennefer, you know, tries to get Cyril to help use her magic to get that bridge up. Cyril kind of overdoes it and does that weird scream thing with blood coming from her eyes and transports, so her magic is like at an all-time peak high still. Um, yeah, and then we start going to what happens with the baby. The elfin baby gets killed. Uh, you know, she has like you know, Fran- uh, Francesca has that dream that the, someone in a black robe came in and killed a baby. She wakes up, the baby's dead. Phil Evangel's holding it, and you know, we kind of get back to the the main crux here. They, Jennifer and Cyril arrive at the Sintra monolith, and Jennifer finally has a change of heart there when she realizes what Sintra, what, what Cyril did at Sintra to that monolith and shattered it, and tries to tell her that she's sorry and that you know she can't go there because Geralt's not there and the whole reveal comes full circle but she like gets upset and screams and that you know ground cracked broke a little bit of the castle wall guards come out they're about to take Cyril you know prisoner and hostage and Geralt and the doors come out of nowhere fuck their ass up and uh, yeah, <laughs> Geralt has uh has um Yarpin and Yaskir take Cyril back to Kay Morin and he and Yennefer are gonna go see this deathless mother in Geralt's own words, he says, I'm going to slay a monster. And they get there, but this hut no longer has Volathmir in it. She has caused enough pain and desperation to where she became like fire embers. And she was able to escape her hut. And the very last thing we saw on screen is the, uh, the embers kind of engulf Cirilla. Or she inhaled the embers and her eyes turn this like fluorescent bright green. And we hear Volathmir's laugh. And that cuts out of episode 7. And that is well turned over to Chase today, where he will take us through the last episode of season two, episode eight. Go ahead and take it away, my man. And here we are. So uh, I'm only going to say the episode, you know, I like to say episode names here because <laughs> they kind of go small little full circle moments. But uh, episode eight is called Family. So this is the end for season two. Let's get it started. So Siri wakes up and we're already opening with a full circle moment here. Uh, but we know something's not exactly right. So Siri wakes up in her bed, and Malsack is there. And Malsack says, Cyrilla, Fiona, Ellen, Rhiannon, do you think this is a joke? I told you there would be hell to pay if you weren't ready to be, be ready by the sound of those trumpets. Do you think I was joking? If there are dirty knuckle bones in your pockets, gods help you. And Siri just looks up, and is like, this is a dream, and Malsack says, it's going to be a nightmare if you don't wipe that sleep from your eyes and get moving. That nighting ceremony started 20 minutes ago, and your grandmother, she's already got a dance card full. Then Siri mentions my grandmother. So now we're kind of being taken back. We know something's really off here. It kind of reminded me of when, like, Triss and her were in, like, the memories that we talked about weeks ago. But Siri says, my grandmother, and Malsack says... Yeah, her jaw is doing that twitchy thing. You know, the one... She says, what the fuck is going on? Malsack says, watch your mouth, princess. And Siri attempts to, like, touch Malsack. And she mentions, is it really you? Because she's even wondering what's going on here. And Malsack says, she's gone mad, you know. What with the banquet in full swing? Come on, let's go. And then they start to walk through the halls. And then it cuts to... So we're seeing Siri in present day. So clearly we know this is a dream or something that's going on with Siri because now we're going to see, we see Siri walk through the halls of Kira Morin 
and she has a knife in her hand. And then we're going to cut out to, so Yennefer and Geralt are And also, riding. real quick, just yeah, to kind of touch it. on that, not just any old knife. It was that artifact knife that was it used was. to kill, yeah, it was used to kill Cleft, one of the very first witchers that, uh, you know, they, that uh, that's another full circle that Vesemir told Cyril about at the very beginning of, I think it was episode two uh, of, of this season two there. So that specific knife is very, very important because that was the one that was used to kill one of the first witchers there. And so kind of got a little full circle moment there as well. Excellent point there. Excellent point. Um, and then Yennefer and Geralt are riding towards Kiro uh, Morin. You can tell in this moment, too, this is kind of what I was bringing up for a little bit last week. You can tell Geralt still isn't exactly on the happy page <laughs> with Yennefer at this point. Like, I would say pissed is a nice word. But uh, Yennefer goes, Geralt, listen to me. And Geralt says, you betrayed us. Yennefer says, Geralt, it's not what you think. Let me explain. Before Boleth Mir showed me her true self, she came to me as a little girl. It was some fucked up version of myself. She feeds on pain, but everyone on this continent is on pain. Boleth Mir is more personal, and then she's more specific. Geralt goes, explain. Yennefer, she finds your weakness the gaping wound in her heart, the thing that makes you feel hopeless, and she plunges her finger into it and makes it hurt so badly you do anything. And Geralt says, like sacrificing an innocent child. And Yennefer stops and goes, yes, except I couldn't do it, Geralt. Look, I know this means nothing to you, but I understand how special she is. When chaos left me, I never thought I'd feel the spark that, that life again, but seriously, she radiates it. At Melatelli's, when I helped her control it, when she opened up the portal under my direction, I felt like, I know how it feels, Yennefer. Yennefer says, I don't know what Volathmir wants from Ciri, but we have to protect her. And Geralt says, I have to protect her. And that's a big moment. The reason I wanted to read that is you can still see Geralt isn't having it with Yennefer. Like, honestly, at this point, I'm surprised. What do you think of this? I'm surprised he's even putting up with this shit. I'm surprised he didn't even just go off on his own after he found out what he needed to find out. I think that he wanted to, and she probably just followed his ass, and there's nothing he could really do about it unless he was going to kill her, you know? And yeah. he, didn't, he didn't find it necessary to kill her because Sorella ended up being alive, so that was good on that end. So I honestly think like he wishes that she wasn't there, but she was being stubborn and probably just followed his ass. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> That's great, man. Uh, so at this point, now we're back to Siri in this sort of dream state. And she's walking through the halls as, um, sorry, uh, so not back in the dream state right yet. But we're at Caramore Inn and Siri's walking through the halls. And she has the knife and she cuts the throat of Gerard as he's sleeping. And you can see this is another full circle moment for what Jay Nelly was saying last week. You can see her eyes are bright green, and then she stabs Everard as he sleeps. So she's killed two. Uh, they were witchers, right? They were witchers, not yes, like just normal people. Correct. Yeah, yeah they're in K. They, well, well, keep in mind, like they're in K. Moore, and so like the only witches are allowed in K. Moore for the right. most part. Obviously, we had that issue with uh, you know the the lovely ladies that came to visit earlier in the season. Then all of a sudden, Triss comes along, and like everyone seems to be coming to K. K. Moore in these days. But uh, <laughs> no, they are uh, they are are in fact witchers. Yes, that's why I wanted to make sure, just to be on the safe side. I didn't want to just assume, but after 
you know, Eskel was over there having a party. I didn't know who's coming in out of that place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, okay, so, and then Siri, she's walking through the halls and heads to Vesemir's bedroom, where then she's stopped by Geralt. And Geralt says, Siri, what's going on? And Siri tries to make an excuse and said, it's an old woman in a black robe. And Yennefer mentions, it's Volathmir. Siri says, I saw her leaving Everard's room. She killed Everard and Gwen." And Geralt says, how, how did you escape? And Siri says, I screamed. And Geralt said, and that didn't cause any damage. And Siri said, I don't know. And Geralt says, it didn't wake Vesemir. Siri, Geralt, I'm scared, please. This is when he notices something's wrong. Geralt notices the cut on Siri's cheek and looks at her. By the way, I said her name was like Geverard or whatever. It's Everard and Gwaine. So just to clear that up for everybody, you know I'm not the best name person. Didn't want any confusion here. So Everard and Gwaine gave it a good run. You died in your sleep. You did what you needed to do. <laughs> Anyways, back to where we were. Just to clear that up for everybody. So Geralt notices the cut and says, tell me what you want. Then Siri uppercuts Geralt and just sprints off. Vesemir tells Lambert and Cohen that that thing ain't Siri, and as he closes Gwen's eyes and the dead, the Witcher body, Vesemir then tells them all to gather the Witchers. But Cohen tells Vesemir and Siri to go get Merrick. Vesemir takes out the elixir, drinks it, and his eyes turn black. You see, shit's about to go down. He grabs all the elixirs and tells him he grabs another elixir and says, "Grab all the elixirs you find. You don't know what she can do." There's this one thing I wanted to yeah. touch on real quick there too, because this was a, a big point. We just mentioned Merrick, because mm-hmm. when he, he's uh, when Vesemir says get anyone who's left, Vortec Merrick, Cohen says she got Merrick too, so she actually killed three witchers. She's killed yeah. Everard, she's killed Gwen, and she's killed Merrick. So that's already starting, and like there's not a lot of remember you guys, there's not a lot of witchers left, you know. So killing yeah. three in their sleep, that that's already a huge deal. And then when you were mentioned that you know uh, Siri upcutted Geralt, she actually sliced up with a dagger and cut Geralt's face and run. So like. He's got oh, this like, cut on his that. face now, too. Good. So, um, But, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take you back to where like, you're talking about the Vesemir and the Elixirs. Go ahead. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm going to stop there for just a minute. I'm going to play this little uh, this little uh, white platinum card we've had here that we haven't used in a really long time. The Great Debate card. Do you remember that card? I think it's been a minute since we played something like that before. It's been a little while, yeah. I remember it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Gotta wipe off the dust on that bad boy. Oh, right? man. Power level's over 9,000. Here's my debate for you, because this brought up an interesting moment. She's killed three witchers in their sleep. Are they going into some, like, hibernating sleep? Like, what the fuck's going on? Witchers are supposed to be, like, the baddest of the bad. This little girl is walking through the hallways with a knife, just killing people in their sleep. No one's putting up any fight with these three witchers. I'm talking about one-on-one. You would think they would hear something. Wake the fuck up out of your dream state. You just let a girl beat your ass in your sleep. You're, you're trained to kill all these monsters. And then this little girl, not having to use any powers, is stabbing you through the throat with a knife and in the chest with a knife. Someone explained to me how this even makes sense, how this is able to play out just absolutely perfectly to kill three witchers in a row and no one wakes up 
<laughs> no one has any sort of senses is walking into your room above you, even as a child. My dad would open the door and be like, what's that? It's like a, it's like a, it's like a dud. <laughs> yeah, like trying to figure out what's going on here. What's your opinion on this? Well, yeah, a lot of them. I mean, I, at the end of the day, what do they go back to Kmore and for? They only go back like once a year. And they want, like the biggest thing is to rest and recover for like the next round of going out into the world and, you know, killing monsters. So, you know, they, they, they are there to rest and train and stuff. And so it's, you know, who knows what time of the night it is. And they're just sleeping. On top of that, too, keep in mind, it's not just this quote-unquote little girl. It's this fucking, like, Volath Mir that's impersonating her entire body who's able to use magic. So who knows what she's done. Maybe she's, like, you know, made it so they can't hear anything or made her footsteps sound muffled. Like, who knows what she's able to do? Because you know she can do magic because we start to see it later in this episode. I can't, you know, give anything away terribly too much yeah. about it. But, like, you know, there's just so many things they could be. And, like, this Volath Mir... It took all the witchers and the, all of the first witchers to imprison her in that hut for all eternity. And so, you know, she you knows she's somewhat powerful, you know, as an understatement, right? Like, she killed Clef, which is one of the very first witchers, with that dagger. So, you know, I mean, it's very, very possible that she can sneak up like an assassin and cut throats in sleep. You know, you can't really make a lot of noise. Your throat's cut. I know one of them she stabbed through the heart, you know. Maybe she got in the right spot, but... And what are you going to do? You can't, you know, when you're asleep, you can't fight in your sleep, man. You know, it's not that she's whooping their ass. She's like, she's like a silent assassin and just, you know, she's efficiently killing them. You know, very, very quietly, very stealthily. That's all I have to say. And then keep in mind, too, like, let's say even if they did wake up, uh, and I know they didn't. This is just argument's sake for, you know, a what-if situation. Like, they all know who Siri is, so they're not going to assume anything's wrong if she's just there in their room. Being like, oh, alright, it's just Siri, and then like, you know, whatever, not be on guard, and she's like, she's got a whole nice stabbing people, you know, that's, that's what I think, man, I don't know, what do you think? I think it's bullshit. <laughs> I think they should have wake up out of their sleep, I think it's bullshit, you're trained, you're going across Witcher obstacle courses for like four fucking episodes, saying how, oh, everything, Lambert's over here bragging out the ass about how how stealthy they are and how they can hear everything and they can walk across all these obstacles. I just find it hard to believe someone's going to walk inside your door with a knife and you just don't wake up at all. Even 007 would beat that ass. I don't even get it. I think it's stupid. I'm going to let it slide, though. I'm going to let it slide because, you know, that's all you can do. I'm going to let it slide because that was clearly the arc of the story. I, she must have had some like possession power or something going on there. Maybe like maybe some uh, like a sleep potion or something. She had to do something with the alchemy in there. I'm surprised she didn't go and uh, take all the vials and the alchemy first and then start pouring them on him. Or she had to at least get some like rags with fumes on him to choke him out or something. Like make it a little bit more believable here. Besides her just stabbing some knives and stuff. I'm going to let it slide. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. I'm going to take it for what it is. I don't the know, fact- I think I think you're underestimating the fact that she's most likely, out of everyone that we've seen so far, maybe outside of Cirilla herself, who's now trapped in her own body, like the most powerful user of magic that we've seen on the show. So she's got to have some sort of ability to do stuff 
You know, it doesn't take all that much to, you know, muffle your sounds or make it so you can't hear anything. So, I don't know. I don't think, I think you're thinking too much into it. I think that, uh, you know, and it's not like these witchers that were killed or any of the main ones, you know, maybe they're the, like the quote-unquote weak links of the witchers. It's not like they killed Geralt and Lambert and Cohen and Vesemir. They killed three people I didn't even hear about. I never heard about Gwaine <laughs> or Everard or Merrick until today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. But all I'm saying is, if you go back and watch the movie Troy, which isn't fantasy, that's historical, right? But Achilles Perseus was trying to kill him in his sleep, and he knew exactly what was going on. He said, do it. He said, do it. That's why I think Geralt would have done. Because Geralt is like the Achilles of our show here. But all I'm saying is, like, you are supposed to be the elite to fight these monsters in the world, and you're letting a woman... Nothing against, like, women. I think it's great, but you're letting a girl that's half your size just come into your room and beat that ass. Like, that's... that's no, Okay, again, you're making this sound, like, different than it is. If you watch the show, like, there's no ass beating. There's no fight. <laughs> they're, sleep, they're sleeping, and a knife goes she into their neck. She pulled a fucking Arya Stark out of nowhere and <laughs> just beat that ass. Like, whatever... What is Marin Trant? What? She pulled a Marin Trant on him. What ass whooping are you talking about? They were sleeping. <laughs> there was no fight. It was like literally like like stabbing a pillow because they weren't moving. They were they were like in their most vulnerable state, dreaming probably about puppies and rainbows and kittens in the forest, and they're like trying to enjoy their like nice restful slumber, and all of a sudden they're getting stabbed in the neck. That's what happened. It's not like there was Marin Trant, man. Remember nothing. when Arya was stabbing the fuck out of that guy? It was like that. Marin Trant was stab. awake and able to fight back. These <laughs> witchers were asleep in their beds i don't know what you want them to do <laughs> oh fair enough i'm gonna let it slide a great debate card goes to the shadow realm jay nelly wins this round i'm gonna let it slide i'm gonna let it go <laughs> I'm gonna let it go all i'm saying if i was the director there would have been some uh you know maybe would have been a little little showdown there a little showdown <laughs> but that's okay we get a much better one later on anyway so whatever <laughs> versus some randos okay back to where we were here so, so uh, after uh, she kills these people, so, uh, of course, uh, Geralt, remember, like I was saying, notices, like, what's going on, and, and they, you know, Vesemir's had them grab the elixirs, says, grab all the elixirs you can, find, you don't know what you can do, and Geralt tells Vesemir that his fight is not with Ciri, and Vesemir says, when you took Eskel down, it broke me, but you were right, it had to be done. Same as now, Siri has to be eliminated. Daughter to a demon, she has already done too much damage. And Geralt says, "Well, she's not daughter to a demon. He said daughter or demon. Like whether she's daughter daughter or whether she's a demon, she's got to be done. So no, don't say that because like there's a lot of daughter to a demon. (laughs) Yeah, oh, that would be good, man. That's a good turn of events. Sorry, typo there on my uh, on my notes. (laughs) Typo on my notes, man. Yeah, but uh, daughter or a demon." She has done too much damage. So, but the point is, is Vesemir just like we saw Eskel? Um, he cares about Siri, but if it goes too far, they know what they got to do. Um, but so, at this point, Geralt says, "Witchers don't kill out of fear; they kill to save lives." And Vesemir says, "I said that." And Geralt said, "You did." And Vesemir says, "It feels like bullshit now." Geralt says, "Eskel, Remus, Gascadin, Cyril, Gwain." There are too many medallions hanging on that tree, but spilling Ciri's blood won't bring them back. 
You thought she was strong enough to be the next Witcher, just like I was. She can survive this. She needs you. I need you. And Vesemir says, Wolf. Girl says, I'll convince Volathmir to leave Ciri's body. Once the demon's out, once she's back, in her corporeal form, we'll trap her. Vesemir says, will it work? And Girl says, I don't know, but our best chance is together, Vesemir. Please trust me. And then Geralt walks past Jennifer and once again, hey, whoo, you rub the rub the bad boy the wrong way. Just walks past her. She knows she has fucked up. <laughs> she has fucked up. No trust there no more. Because uh, <laughs> the hoe won't trust me. <laughs> That's great. Anyways, uh, so at this point, then Dara, we're cutting back over to uh actually right before this so yennefer wakes up and yaskier wakes up yaskier and tells him that siri's been possessed and then we're cutting over to dara again dara tells philavandrel and francesca that dijkstra doesn't need him anymore and redania is targeting elves francesca then responds to dara and tells him to gather some horses so that's kind of like a big moment there uh because you know um we're gonna eventually start to see what where these elves like where their sides lie yaxir back over with him he says before you tell me what's going on please tell me you're making a hangover cure because my head feels like it's lodged between the buttocks of a fat and sexually rageful goat (laughs) before you get into that (laughs) go before before you get into that let's talk a little bit more about that uh the dara and phil situation because there's some important Mm -hmm. stuff in here because uh, Dara, uh, Dara is telling Phil Evangel that Dijkstra told him that he doesn't need Dara anymore and that Dijkstra has other ways of getting what he wanted. And so when Phil Evangel says, Cyril of Sintra, Dara says yes. And Phil Evangel asks him, like, what does, what did our daughter have to do with that? Why would Redania target us? And Dara says, because we've befriended Nilfgaard. And Francesca says, because we're elves. They hate us. They've always hated us. They need no other reasons than the shape of our ears. And Dara like kind of emphatically apologizes to Francesca and says, "I'm sorry, I was in jail, and he told me his target was Nilfgaard, and I never realized, I never would have thought." And Francesca cuts him off and says, "You saved your own life. This is not your doing." And that's when he said he needed to gather some horses. But the reason why I wanted to bring this like to a, a point here is that I, th- and this is something that does already get sent down here, but I always, I had a feeling before it even happened. Uh, whose orders it was that the elf baby got killed because it made it made sense to turn p- other people against each other. I didn't realize it was going to be answered later in the same episode, but I wish you guys could see my notes because I predicted the shit out of this before it even happened <laughs> about who was on whose orders it actually ended up happening. Um, but yeah, so it's one of those frustrating things. Where I'm like, yeah, I got it right, but like yeah, I can't prove that I got it right because it's in the same episode. You can be like, oh yeah, well, you just watched it. But uh, anyways, uh, I'll go ahead and let you get back to uh, Yaskir and Yafra at K Morin. Go ahead. Uh, so back with Yaskir, like this isn't really important, but like I said, just wanted to repeat this line. He goes, before you tell me what's going on, please tell me you're making a hangover cure because my head feels like it's been lodged between the buttocks of a fat and sexually rageful goat. (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) He always just comes up with these very strange, that's almost like a bit uncomfortable. (laughs) Like, how do you respond to that? Like, all right. Could have just said hangover, but sure, he's the man. Yaxir goes, so Yennefer responds and says, Voleth Mir is a parasite. We need to remove her without killing the host, referring to Siri. Yaxir says, oh, the deathless mother again. Please do go on. And Yennefer says, a spell from the extraction of separation family would do it. 
Yeah, it's gear. Yes, it would if you had your magic, which you don't. Yennefer yeah, says, if I had my fucking magic, <laughs> I, I guess I'll have to make do with whatever I find in this witcher laboratory, like this. And then she picks up this red stone. And this is very important to remember. Yeah, Xir goes, oh, yay, a little stone. You saved us all. And Yennefer says, active Jasper, uh, the provider of warmth, energy, and balance. Golden Oriole. Jaskier says, golden what? Ori Oriola. Uh, pretty sure that's got something to do with nipples. Yennefer <laughs> says, no. It neutralizes. It neutralizes. Hold on one second. Sorry, I'm getting down here real quick. So Yennefer says, it neutralizes the effects of poisons in the bloodstream. And Jaskier says, but I'd make everything about nipples. Yennefer says, Poisons like poisons, Jaxier. Trying to get him to pay attention here. Possessions like poison. Possessions like poison. Okay, there you go. Possessions like possessions, bitch. <laughs> demons like demons. Daughter of demons like demons. Possession, we possess things. Fuck it all. <laughs> I'm messing with you. No, you're right. Okay, so possessions are like poisons, Jaxier. I pulled Siri into this mess, and I'll do everything I can to get get her out of it. Jaxir says, tell me what to do. Yennefer says, find Geralt. Give him the Jasper. And Jaxir says, what for? Yennefer says, it helps turn wrongs into rights. He'll understand. Jaxir says, wait, hang on. What are you going to do? And Yennefer says, what witchers do best? Make a potion. Then at this point, we switch back over to Siri as Voloth uh, Mir. And she's standing there with the knife in front of the Witcher Tree. I call it the Witcher Tree. Is there a specific name for that? I don't know if there's a specific name, but you call it the Witcher Tree. I call it the Medallion Tree. It's the same thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So all the medallions are on it. Um, and then it switches over to Sirius with Malsak back in kind of this dream state. And her family's in the palace. And Malsak says, you sure you're feeling all right? And Sirius says, better than ever. Siri then sees Calanth and then her family and they're all dancing uh, and then Martin asks her to dance. And then we cut back to Kahir. So Kahir reminds his men there are to be no mistakes when Amir arrives. And then Frangilla informs Kahir that horses have been taken for the elves, referring back to Dara. And then Kahir confronts Frangilla and says that he sees Francesca as the key uh, to her plan and shows Amir that to show Amir that she is a valuable leader. And Kahir tells Frangilla that her plan worked despite Frangilla denying her plan. Well, her name's Frangilla, just so you know. Frangilla, Frangilla, fragile, demons, possessions, it's all the same shit. <laughs> I'm fucking with you anyways. Yeah, no, but good point. Uh, so now we're cutting back to Kier Morin. At Kier Morin, all the witchers are drinking the elixirs. All their faces are going black. It's demon time, about to kick some demon ass. Prepare for battle! Just like Wait, hold on a second. Oh, yeah, just, go we're just it. gonna hold up just a whole second. I wanna go through that whole... <laughs> yeah. that, like, there was that, that was some really important context in that conversation between Kahir and Frangilla. And you see, you had a part of it, but I wonder if you wanna go through the whole thing and really why, like, why it plays like a full circle as to what happened last episode and like the importance of it. So... Uh, when we talk about you know the scene cutting to Frangilla and she approaches Kahir and, and asks to speak to him privately, he asks, you know, what is it? And Frangilla says, the elves, some of them have gone. And Kahir says, they're always defectors, or defectors, Frangilla, it's to be expected. 
Infantil says, Francesca and Phil Evangel were amongst them. Our scouts said they were riding north on our stolen horses. Pierre said to hunt down the murder of their child. Rangela tells him, all fingers point to Redania. If she had told me, I could have offered support, troops, access to her army, whatever she needed as long, and Kier finishes it, as long as she came back. And Pangela says, yes. And Kier said, why? Why is she so important to you, Pangela? Pangela says, well, she's my friend. Kier says, no. No, she's the key to your plan, to showing a mirror that you are a valuable leader. And Pangela says, yes. Yes, that too, but she is gone. And Kier is like, kind of like, trying to get her to get the hint he's like according to your plan think about it the baby gave them hope a reason to live rather than die fighting and it's mysteriously murdered and now now they're off to raise the kingdoms of our enemies Fingilla asks him what are you saying Kahir saying Kahir says I am saying it worked your plan Fingilla says but I would never do that I would never do that Kahir said you said it yourself Fingilla when Amir arrives I need to rave so let me. So basically, why the whole point of me making that, that that dialogue and why it's important is because that plan, he like like because of how she remember last episode she killed all those people at the table and left Kira alive and said when Amir gets here you need to tell him that I was justified in killing all these people and you better rave. And so now it's like uh, this is a perfect part where Kira's like listen listen Fringilla, this can actually work in your favor because. I can make it seem like this was your plan the whole time and that you ordered the murder of the baby so that way, you know, they are attacking our enemies anyways. Now they're fighting for us after all because it's your plan that worked. And she's like, well, I didn't actually do that. And here's like, don't, who cares if you did or didn't? Like, let Amir believe that because that will show you're a valuable leader and that you know what you're doing. You said to make that, you wanted me to rave about you. This is the way to go about it. It's basically what that all said. So I thought that was super important. But I'll let you go ahead and continue back to K. Morin. No, good stuff, man. All I got out of that was some horses. So I'm glad you <laughs> glad you picked that part up. Anyways, uh, so back to Kamarin. So uh, all the witchers are drinking their elixirs and everything. Uh, Geralt continues to search for Ciri, and this is when he finds her in front of the tree of the witchers there. And Geralt says, you don't want to escape. And Ciri says, so many gone devoured by this hellish continent. And Geralt says, I want Ciri back name your price and then lambert notices siri and the other witchers start to approach siri says it's not a question of price it's a matter of cost make your ask Geralt says release her and you can have me siri says that's enticing what a glorious plan we could create together it's not too late for that and then yak seer runs in says Geralt, yennefer told me to shit you're busy uh you're busy yeah like always the worst timing ever um and so all the witchers are drawing their swords at this point and siri lets out that agonizing scream and it's splitting it splits the witcher tree into two pieces and causes all the medallions to start dropping to the ground vesmir says what the fuck like this is when you know shit's about to go down blood starts coming out of Geralt's eyes and he says siri Siri lets out another agonizing scream, and then the tree shatters into pieces now, and then all the pieces are facing the witchers. Well, well, the, the biggest thing you miss in there, and this is like the big shocker, and this is why Vesemir said, what the fuck, is there's a monolith inside the medallion tree. Yeah, like, yeah when she, that's kind when of When she screamed yeah. and split it, 
Like, there was a monolith the whole time inside that tree. And that's why Vesper was like, what the fuck? There's a monolith here? Like, that's not, like, like, that wasn't supposed to be the case. And then she screamed again and shattered the, the monolith into the middle of the so That's why you had the black pieces floating around. It's because mm-hmm. it was a monolith the whole time and not just a tree that they thought it was. Yeah, which actually is really cool because you're going to see something really cool here <laughs> in just a minute. But, yeah, um, at this point... So then she has the shattered pieces and she faces them towards the witcher. Almost reminded me of like conjured knives or something. And she like shoots all the shards of the tree towards the witcher. And girl just goes, no. And, And then all the witcher shards, the shards of the witcher tree are forced there. The witchers conjure their force fields to block as many shards as possible. It reminded me of almost 300. Well, then we'll fight in the shade. (laughs) That's what it reminded me of. They conjured, like, their force fields to stop the shards. But she spins them back around and sends them the other direction. Holy shit, that was was insane. They try to stop as many as they can, but, of course, she takes out a few in the process. But um, at this point, so Ciri... forces like everything in a circular motion and brings the rest of the shards back and then this is when through the monolith almost like a harry potter moment (laughs) these reptile beasts walk through i looked up what these actually were called if jay nelly wants to get into it later he can or i'll cover some of it but these are basilisks and it is badass Lambert says, what the fuck kind of basilisk are those? <laughs> like, it was absolutely badass. And Gowen says, I can, I can tell you after I kill him. And girl says, I won't let her have you, Siri. And Siri's eyes turn bright red, and then the creatures attack. Uh, not bright red, that'd be badass. That's Voldemort. <laughs> turn bright green, which is a full circle moment from episode, uh, the last episode we just saw. And then the creatures attack, and Lambert manages to stab one in the neck, but he's pushed off with the tail of one of them. And Geralt, like, yells for Yarden. He goes, Yarden now, and Vesemir uh, yells at Geralt. It's Wolf, and, and Geralt says, Vesemir, I can do this. We have to contain her. Vesemir and Yarden use their force fields to trap Ciri in with Geralt, which is, once again, Volathmir, not actually Ciri at this moment. But then the other witchers are holding off the basilisk during the time being, Geralt says, tell me what you want with her. Tell me what she is to you. And Volathmir says, she is the future, and you're in my way. And then Ciri attempts to attack Geralt. She attacks him five times with a knife, and he dodges the attack, but then blocks it with a six attack with his sword, catches it, and then Ciri, like, downward thrusts as she tries to unravel and roll out of the entrapment. And Geralt says, Ciri, I need you to hear me. You can fight this. And then we're cutting back to Ciri is in that dream state in the palace and she starts hearing voices. Geralt pushes Ciri aside in the real state with Velf Morin and pushes Ciri aside and then she spins around and attacks Geralt again three more times and the third one grazes him with her knife. Yaxir talking to himself is like rights the wrongs. Well, Yennefer, I don't see how things can get any wronger at this point as he's dodging attacks from the basilisk. Then a creature winds up at this point. Um, so, uh, going back to my notes here. So, then at this point, uh, then we have uh, Vartok is forced into the ground by a creature. 
and like his teeth the creature's teeth are like sinking into him Vasimir stabs a sword through the neck of one of them and then Ciri's eyes are going bright green again and Lambert's like a little help here as uh as another witcher is being picked up to the ground and his head is actually being uh bitten off by one of the basculists and Varatok goes to help out uh Ciri uh help out Ciri and Geralt and makes the force field after being called over by Vesemir and then another basculist winds up attacking Vesemir and as he's using like the force field to block it Yaxir goes Geralt Yennefer told me to give you this it's a balance and it it's a balance and heat if you can hear me it's basically he's just saying this is what you need trying to give him that stone and then another witcher falls to the floor and his face is bitten off by a basilisk. And Vesemir goes, no. And Vesemir darts towards Ciri at this point. As you can tell, Vesemir is just done. Like, he's just going to end Ciri. And Ciri says, you'll never get to me. As Vesemir attempts to stab Ciri, Geralt stops his attack with his force field. And Ciri says, do it. Show him you don't need him anymore. And Vesemir attacks again, and Geralt deflects it. And Geralt says, stay strong, Ciri. Ciri continues at this point, back in the dream state, to dance in the palace. She sees Calanth, and Calanth watches as Malsak takes her hand to dance. And Malsak says, you know, if you marry Martin Mayberry, you'll make quite the royal bloodline. And Ciri says, my bloodline? Malsak, will you tell me more about it? And Malsak says, right now I fear there's not, not long enough song in existence. And Ciri says, then someday soon. Malzak says, I promise, your family, princess, the women that came before you, they're quite extraordinary. And then Ciri starts hearing Geralt's voice again. And he says, Ciri, you can fight this. Stay strong, Ciri. Do not give in. Ciri turns around, and Malzak's face is turned into, like, this demon thing. So now you know, like, <laughs> she is starting to realize she is not exactly in reality here. Geralt's voice says, you know who you really are. And then the demon turns back into Malsak and says, Princess, are you all right? Ciri says, my grandmother, why did she never tell you the truth about who I am? Malsak says, my dear, you must be tired already. Your father will be so disappointed he doesn't get a dance. Ciri says, what? Ciri then sees her mother and father. So you can tell almost like Valeth Morin is using every aspect she can to keep her possessed. But Ciri as Valeth Morin... Her eyes are glowing bright, bright green again. And then it cuts over to a baby is crying and a mark appears on its chest. And then the camera pans away and it's Francesca burning a mark on the door outside with magic. And she's doing this to these babies. Uh, so we're kind of getting this almost like an uprising here. And then an elf tells Philavandrel that they have warned all elves that they can find and that there aren't many elves left in Redania and then says are you sure about this and Philavandrel says there will be no moving forward without retribution and Francesca's brother uh Gage isn't his name Gage yes yeah yeah uh attempts to stop her as she's burning another mark and says sister I know what you've been through but there are other ways and Francesca says no you don't what had been need not always be, and everything goes silent. 
And then all of a sudden, <laughs> take a shot. <laughs> so a woman screams. And we don't exactly know this, but we can assume like the babies are dead or there's marks all over them. What do you think? Do you think the baby, she killed them all? Yeah, she killed them all for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because like, um, you saw like all the all the mothers like screaming agony, like crying, like all their babies just died. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was assuming by it. But so then back to Volathmir with Siri. So in Elvish, she says, "Vesa Vedi." They say, "Fight on." And then out of this like portal monolith, this white pale basilisk comes charging through the monolith towards Geralt. Shit's about to go down. It's a boss fight. Get your shit ready, Geralt. So the white basilisk attacks and forces Geralt out the castle doors. So he's near almost that bridge there. Geralt uses his force field to push its head aside. But the basilisk counters and claws him against the bridge of the castle into the ground. Then Vesemir pulls a shard out of the tree out of his leg that he's been hit with. As Ciri's eyes are getting brighter green. The basilisk opens its mouth and to close its jaws and fangs on Geralt as venom begins pouring out of it and landing on Geralt's stomach. And as, as it's coming down, he is pinned down and Geralt conjures a fire spell. Now what's interesting was I actually had to look this up because I was wondering how he got this fire spell. This fire spell is actually directly out of the book Blood of Elves, and it's something witchers can do, and it's called Igni. So he conjures this fire spell to push him off, and Geralt shoves his broadsword through the bottom of the basilisk's jaw out the top of its skull, twists it, and rips the broadsword out the front of its face. Its face splits, and Geralt shoves it off the bridge into the castle grounds, and it falls dead in the snow below. So at this point, Yennefer, that we haven't seen in good lord knows how long, she sees Geralt on the bridge and yells at him that she made a potion to extract Voleth from uh, Volethmir from Ciri. And Ciri, as Volethmir, says, Veva sa vavide, they say fight on. Then Vesemir cuts his way through the main hall and holds out a knife. He approaches Ciri and stabs her in the belly. Geralt pushes him off and goes, Vesemir! You kill her, you kill Siri. Siri holds a hand over her wound, and then fire burns, and it begins to heal it. Siri, as Volathmir says, "Poor, poor witchers. You feel everything, don't you? Especially hatred." Then the remaining basilisks screech and are roaring, and Cohen stabs a basilisk through the chest, finishing it off. Siri's wounds are healed, and Cohen says, "Let's finish this, girl." And then he pushes a bloody basilisk body aside. Geralt holds the red stone in front of Yennefer, uh, from Yennefer, and says, Jasper gives the courage to rectify wrongs. Our hate, uh, here our hate is our pain, and she needs to grow stronger. Let's not give her what she wants. Siri, if you can hear me, if you can hear us, come home. And Siri is back in this dream state, and she's conversing with her mother and father. And Siri says, I missed you so much, and you can tell Volathmir is really using emotion here. Siri's mother, Pavetta, says, We've been right here the entire time, always loving you, our special girl. Geralt's voice then comes through and says, If you can hear me, if you can hear us, come home. And Volathmir says, She doesn't want to be here. She isn't yours. And Vesemir says, It's not working, Wolf. 
And Cohen says, come back to us, Siri. Can you hear us, girl? And this is important because remember Cohen and Lambert were making fun of Siri these episodes ago. So it almost shows like they're finally showing their support for her. And Babette, Siri's mother, says, Siri, make it stop. And Siri says, I'm not dying, not doing anything. And Vesemir's voice says, I believe in you. I'm sorry for what I did. Babetti, Siri's mother, says, be with us. You will belong here. And you see the struggle happening. And Siri's father says, stay, stay, stay with us. And Siri says, I'm not going anywhere. All right, I'm staying here. Just please don't leave me. And Voloth Mir says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here, living in her forever. And her eyes are bright green. And Geralt says, uh, she needs a vessel to exist within this sphere. Siri can't escape unless... Yennefer smashes a glass vial and says, unless I'm right this wrong, my wounds wouldn't heal because magic wasn't what I was missing. I can be the vessel. And girl says, yen, no. Yennefer says, for her. Girl says, yen. And Yennefer cuts herself with the glass from the vial. Yennefer says, hefhen chromibe. And Voloth Mir says, no. And Kalanth and Malsak look at Siri and Kalanth says, don't let us die again. We're your family. We're everything, Siri. And Kalanth and Malsak in this dream state start dissolving into ash. Like, I think someone watched Endgame too many times because it's like the Thanos snap over here. But Yennefer says, you deserve everything, Siri. Let me give you everything I have. And Siri says, I don't know what to do. Please don't go. And Kalanth and Malsak are dissolving into ash in front of her. Geralt says, I know you're afraid, Siri. But what you see in there isn't real. Siri keeps watching her mother and father turn to ash. Bavetta says, don't do this. And Siri's father says, Siri, be with us. You belong with us. And Geralt's voice comes through and says, we belong together. You, us, it's not perfect, but it's real. It's yours. We are your family. We need you. And Siri watches her parents dissolve. And she says, I have to go home. And Siri awakens underneath Geralt, laying on the floor, and Voloth Mir is absorbing into Yennefer. And Geralt says, Siri, we don't have much time. We need to trap Voloth Mir once and for all. If you can pull monsters through the monolith, you can send one back again. Siri says, what? And Geralt says, you can do this. Siri says, Yennefer's lessons. I don't know if I can. And Geralt says, I believe in you. Siri says, all right, see the outcome, make it happen. Another full circle moment for a couple episodes ago. And Jack Siri says, oh, not again. And Siri says, Vonda Gwynthi. In the same smell that Yennefer taught her, she uses to open the portal and pulls Geralt, Siri, and Yennefer through. The embers of the smoke burning off Volith Mir leave Yennefer's body. And then it looks, it kind of looks like the soul stone in this moment of where they're at. Like everything's red. And uh, Volith Mir then all this I, I don't want to say all of a sudden but like it's like the ashes kind of leaving and you look into the distance and you have these horsemen that are charging and we're going to find out what they are in just a minute <laughs> but they look like the dead horsemen of the apocalypse is what i put are almost like a series surprise we'll cover at some point coming up soon <laughs> they look like some uh some uh riders <laughs> but uh it says, then they say, child of elder blood, starry-eyed daughter of chaos, join our hunt. Your place is among us, and you are ours. Girl goes, Siri. Siri grabs Geralt and Yennefer and closes her eyes and portals them back to Kaer Morin. 
Siri says, were those the wraiths of Morag? And this is that full circle moment. Remember, we were talking about them with Nevelyn earlier this season, so we know where they're going to play a big role later. Geralt says, the wild hunt. Yes, we're safe now, thanks to you. That's all that matters. Yennefer uses her magic to heal Cohen's wounds. Vesemir collects the medallions of the dead. Vesemir says, where did you go? And Geralt says, I'm still trying to, trying to figure that out. I saw the wild hunt. Vesemir says, we need to gather more supplies, start to rebuild again. And Geralt says, Siri and I can't stay. We need to keep moving. And Vesemir says, sorry, wolf. I should have trusted you. And Geralt says, Vesemir, it's not that. The demon in the wild hunt, she's marked for something, and it doesn't end there. If mages and royals find out she's still alive, what she's capable of, they won't stop coming for her. And Tisea, we're cutting over to Tisea at this point. She tells the council that she identified Siri. She said she has green eyes, ash hair. It was her. And Tisea informs the council that Dijkstra is going to find Siri and try to give her to his king to give him the only rightful claim to Sintra. And Tisea and the Brotherhood decide to put a bounty on Siri and whoever protects them. Council member even says, that's quite barbarous, even for me, quite barbarous, even for me. And Tisea says, welcome to the Brotherhood. And Rience, now we're kind of back with Rience this moment, so it's been a minute. He says, while the paths hasn't been the straight line we hoped for, we are nonetheless in an auspicious place. The elves are up in arms over the death of their baby, Nilfgaard is stoking their anger to foster another war, and the North will no doubt take the bait. And as chaos descends upon the continent, we will be focused on getting a girl. Lydia is there. Her face is half burned off like Tommy Two-Face over here. And she says, I won't let you down again, my lord. My lord. And now we're cutting over to the elves again. And Gage says, we should return to Zentria before they come for us. And year says, let them come. And Gage says, we got our revenge. Let it end there. And Francesca says, revenge. When the humans arrived, we welcomed them as peers instead of seeing what they really were. And it led to a mass grave we dug ourselves. I don't want revenge. I want justice. And then an elf guard arrives and says, they have taken Istrid captive. And uh, Philip Vandral accuses him of being human, but he tells them that he's a mage and he has information on Princess Cirilla. He says, she's Hinakir. How do you say that? Hinakir? Is that how I say it? H-E-N-I-K-I-E-R? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she's Hinakir. And Francesca stops him and says, what did you say? Istrid said, she's Hinakir. Francesca, she's elder blood. Mistress said, she's one of you, but different. I've never seen anything like her power. And Philavandral says, what are you saying? Francesca says, the one that Illithim prophesized. Well, you can He's... never say that damn name, can you? No, I can't there's say no that. L. <laughs> there's no, like, the L is after the I-T-H. It's Ithiline. 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 You always <laughs> say Illithim. Like, 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 you can't see where the L is? Like, it's not, it's not oh. right after the I, sir. Who knows, You're out of man. control. I was talking about the daughter of a demon. <laughs> just Anyways, but Illithine. Illithine? Can you say that? No, Ithlene. no, that's the wrong way. <laughs> Please repeat, sir. Ithilene. 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 Did I say it right that time? Yes. I was going to be like, no, sir. No, <laughs> sir, you did not. Ithilene. So Ithilene prophesies. 
He's saying that she could save us. And then the camera pans out, and now Dijkstra's owl flies off. So we, another full circle moment, because we knew something was going on with this damn owl the whole time. So Dijkstra goes, what are you saying? And the owl turns into this gorgeous woman, and she says, I'm saying word is out about the girl. And Dijkstra says, I dare say things just got more fun, Philippa. Bring me the bard. It's about time he paid back his benefactor. Yaxu is always getting captive, man. Yaxu is getting, like, the short end of the stick, no matter what he does. Everyone wants to go after Yaxu just because he's the shit. He's the famous celebrity. Everyone wants to write songs with him. I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> Geralt over here, back with him, he goes, you're whole again, talking to Yennefer. And Yennefer says, I felt it come back when I, I, Geralt says, when you sacrificed yourself for Ciri. Yennefer says, a sacrifice I'd make again in a heartbeat. Girl still says, I don't forgive you, Yennefer. And Yennefer says, I know I've hurt you, yet I can't help but wish we could begin again. Girl says, use your knowledge of magic to train the girl. You're the only person that's helped her control her powers. Yennefer says, as if I'd trust anyone else with her. Girl says, I, I, you're going to have to pronounce this one. <laughs> it's the... Yeah, this one's a fun one. Uh, villain, <laughs> villain Trenton Mirth. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, Villain Trenton Mirth. Uh, told us we were made for each other, destined for each other, and that nothing would come of it because destiny alone isn't sufficient. Something more is needed. She is something more. And then Geralt and Yennefer start leaving, walking towards, uh, I guess, the trail <laughs> to go find Ciri. And Geralt says, I'm tired too, Ciri. But what if it... Life goes on. Us three will help each other. What is destined cannot be avoided. Yennefer says, and it shouldn't be. Geralt says, I believe I know what Volithmir wanted from you. And Ciri says, what? Geralt, she's been here since the conjunction. We knew that. We've always assumed she was from another sphere. Ciri says, is that where I portaled us? Another sphere? Geralt says, that monolith that you shattered, the ones that pull new pieces of monster through every time you scream, those could be gateways to other spheres. Siri so says, my scream woke Volithmir. That's why she wanted me. Girl says, she wants to go home. You are the key to her future. What I can't figure out, though, is that when did Nilfgaard realize that you were the key to theirs? They knew before anyone else. How do they know the truth about you, Siri? And then we're showing Frangilla, Frangilla, and Kahir. Frangilla, Frangilla, Frangilla. <laughs> yeah, and Kahir in the Great Hall. I'm going to let uh, Jay Nelly take this one because this is his big, bold prediction. Close us out, Jay Nelly. Yeah, so the scene cuts over to Central, like Chase was saying, and the white flame is arriving, and we have this, like, the guy, announcer guy say, Attention, his high... His Highness Emperor Amir Var Amaris, the White Flame. And Frangilla says, The elves are already fighting in the north. They may not wear our colors, but they are doing our bidding. And they are pursuing the girl, of course. And Amir responds to her and says, In my experience, in my experience elves only care about elves. How did you convince them to fight? And Kahir says, By killing their hope. And Frangilla says, We lay the blame on Redania, but it was us who killed the elven baby. We would do anything for the white flame. 
And Amir says, losing a child is brutal, but you are right. It can move mountains. And Fringilla says, desperate times. And Kahir finishes with desperate measures. And Amir responds to them and says, desperate indeed. I would know. And Kahir asks him, sir? And Amir says, that's how I felt when I realized I could no longer count on you to fulfill my mission. I'm the one who ordered the death of that elven baby. I had to. It was the best path best path to helping me find my daughter. Take them away. Then he walks up to like the little steps there, turns around, and your boy called it. I knew Amir the whole time was going to be Dooney and that both her parents weren't dead after all. I always say I need to see the body in these kind of movies and these kind of shows. I mean, I never saw nobody. Uh, and we already know from that one dream that they went, like the Doldusa that Triss took Siri in, that they knew something about the prophecy a little bit. So we knew that like, something was going to come here and they tried to escape. And so here we are. We figure it out. Dooney is Amir after all this time and he was the one that ordered the elven baby to be killed to really kind of take control of, of the elves and make sure that they fought against the other northerners. So that was the end of the episode. Then obviously we get that uh, after credit scene, which is just a trailer for the new series called Bud Origins. But I don't know. Did you think it was going to cover the initial conflict between the elves and humans? That's what I thought it looked like. Did you have a different thought of that trailer? Uh, yeah, I wasn't exactly sure. I thought it looked really cool. Like it looked like a lot of action stuff. I mean, you had that one elf like kicking ass, but I thought it was really cool because, you know, we're uh, that's kind of one of the debates I had, but I'll leave it for there. But, um, you know, it's really interesting because now it appears kind of that we're starting to get like a Witcher universe. Are they trying to pull this whole Game of Thrones thing like with the prequel to Game of Thrones? What do you think? I think it could be. I think it's that's what it looked like to me, anyways. Because I just don't know what would make sense to have the elves now, like then split off. Because like there's not because we were supposed to be left with the impression that there's not many elves left, right? Like the whole right. community that Phil Evangel and, and Francesca had in the woods at the very beginning of the season, like season two here. But there was they weren't a large community left, and they were always constantly on the move because they felt their lives were in danger. So it's like I don't think it could be a present day thing because those elves look like badasses, like you said. And there seem to be a lot of them, and it seems to be focused around elves. And that kind of is what the title of the show is going to be called. So it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like it has to be what cover that covers the conflict, uh, like the initial conflict. That's just the only thing I can really think of uh, between the humans and the elves, like all those years ago. So yeah, I think I think so. I could be wrong though. Yeah, I think it will be cool. Well, that's kind of one of my debates later, so I'll leave it at that. But uh, did you have info on the basilisk, man? The basilisk. Well, first off, I've got info on how to pronounce it correctly. There's no K after the S. It's basilisk. <laughs> so that's the first thing. Basilisk. It's like the same that. as Harry Potter, though, right? Yeah, it's basilisk. There's no K. Basilisk. He's always basilisk. done this every time. I will I will give Chase this credit, though. He's always he's never claimed that he knows how to say all these names. He always tells everyone, I'm not the greatest with names. But, man, yes, it's a basilisk. It's B-A-S-I-L-I-S-K. <laughs> So there's only one K in it. You don't bask in the glory of the Lisk. It's just Basilisk. <laughs> but there's just a few things I wanted to go about. Because I'll let you take the the um, the monster there. Like, they're going through the details of it and like all about that if you have it. But I was just going to go through some things like I wanted to like mention that I thought were also important. I Things that I starred uh, throughout this episode. before, And also yeah. we're going to do our takeaways of the episode too. But 
Um, I thought this was pretty cool. I actually notated the exact uh, minute and second of this on Netflix. Uh, 39 minutes and 5 seconds after they get through, back through the portal, like, like when they were face to face with the race of Morag, when they came back through, at 39 minutes and 5 seconds, Yennefer and Yaskier gave each other a very weird look as if they were kind of into each other. I don't know if anyone noticed that, <laughs> but it was really strange. Like They like looked at each other, they might kiss or something. It was very, very fleeting and it happened very quick, but... I want I want that to be notated at 39 minutes and five seconds. There was a little moment, so that was one of them. The other one too is I think like you like you mentioned it, but I think it was really downplayed because of how important it was. This is one of the things that did build up over the entire season about Yennefer's magic coming back. Like that was really really cool. Like that was a really huge moment about her her magic coming back. And so when we go over this and like the summary thing, that's that's a really like one of the bigger overarching themes of this this episode and of the season is now you know there should be no more excuses for bad behavior on her behalf because her magic's back and you know it did it because she kind of sacrificed herself you know that's that it's that whole thing like when you do something for the greater good of somebody else other than yourself good things come back to you right and so that seems to kind of be what the case was uh, other thing i wanted to notate as well and this is just the entire dialogue and this is when they all had a little the, the congregation, and there was the kings of the different uh, kingdoms there, and, and Tessia was, you know, kind of giving them the debrief. Uh, this is the whole entire conversation between all of them. So, Tessia says, She had green eyes and ashen hair. It was her. And Foltist, which is one of the kings, says, The lion cub of Sintra, alive and at Sodden with a witcher. And there was another king, I didn't catch his name, he says, Why are we only hearing about this now? And Tessia says, a Sigamuson Dijkstra came to Eratusa sniffing for something. And then one of the queens, her name was Maeve, she says, You think he was prodding to see if the Brotherhood knew Cirilla was alive? Tessaya says, I do, Maeve. And Foltest says, He finds Cirilla and marries her off to his king. And Tessaya finishes it and says, Giving him the only rightful claim to Sintra. And Foltest continues on and says, Redania is wealthy enough. They add Sintra to their realm and will all be taking orders from fucking Vizimir. Well, the other, then the other king again says, Dijkstra no doubt already has his spies looking high and low for her. And Maeve goes, I'm just going to say it. Princess Cirilla created far less trouble for us when she was dead. And then, as Chase was saying, this is when Foltis says, we'll put a bounty on the girl. And Tissaia responds, and anyone who protects her. And that's when you were talking about Maeve saying, that's quite barbarous even for me. And Tissaia says, welcome to the Brotherhood. So the biggest thing to take away from there is now the Brotherhood's involved in the pursuit of Cirilla. And not just to find her, they're going to kill her. And they're going to kill anyone who protects her. So right off the bat, Geralt and and uh, Ciri are in trouble. But little does Tissaia know, Yennefer is now amongst the people who will be protecting Ciri. So we're going to see what really comes to pass here now. Because that's going to cause a crazy little uh, conflict of dissension there. So... I thought I wanted to notate that. Thought that was really important. And then the last thing I wanted to say too is when you were talking about Lydia, when I said like her face was looking real Harvey Dentish, like the whole Two Face thing, like yeah. half it melted out. When you said that she said, "I won't let you down again, my lord," she didn't say that with her mouth. She said that telepathically. She said that with her mind. So something's going on here. Like that, we don't know what that yeah. that uh, whole blood tracing thing that happened last week did when she put Ciri's blood on and it and just, like inhaled it and now she looks the way she does like we don't know the lasting effects of it so that's definitely something that is worth uh notating as well there too so uh those were just some of the things i wanted to call out ahead of time um that i thought were also important throughout this episode and now before we get into the basilisk and 
and the rundown of that. Let's talk about our takeaways of this episode, what you felt about it, how you thought about it. I'll do the same. Then we'll get into that and the debates and all the good stuff. Yeah, I thought it it raised a lot of questions for where this could go. Uh, you know, I think one big thing that we were thinking about last episode was how many different uh, situations can occur based on, you know, what's happening with the mages or Nilfgaard and, uh, you know, Siri, Yennefer, Geralt. And now you have this whole situation with... <laughs> the white flame that's the only way i can pronounce it correctly <laughs> but now he's taking over that area and kiir and uh you know frangilla i guess they're imprisoned <laughs> or what i guess we're gonna i'm assuming we're gonna hear from them again so we're gonna see how that goes but now you have this whole thing with the brotherhood that's about to occur and you can see how they're not exactly they don't exactly play by the rules here uh so we got a lot of stuff going on um, I'm even wondering if Geralt's going to ever wind up trusting Jennifer again. You can kind of hopefully see it that way. I thought it was a great point you <laughs> pointed out. Maybe, you know, maybe she likes to, maybe she likes to, you know, play both the boys. Team Yaxir, Team Geralt, you know, you never know. Maybe, maybe my boy can tell a joke or two. Maybe not necessarily win with his looks, but he can be funny enough to... You know, catch a catch a summer fling before Geralt jumps in in the winter time. So it's a lot of a uh, lot of it's. I I kind of I don't want to say it like redeemed itself for like rushing last episode, but it. I really enjoyed the full circle moments and the plot holes we thought that were there that were answered this season, um, and the way they kind of summed it up. It makes me, just like you said, wonder if Volethmir is going to come back again based on the, you know, craziness that happened there. But now I really want to know about the Wraiths of Morgog. Like, what hell that's going to unleash, man? Like, like you almost want to think, like, like fuck, like, how are they going to beat that? Like, that's, that's, um, that's intimidating. Like, that shit was fucking intimidating watching. Like, no fucking telling how that shit's going to go down. And you feel like almost all the witchers, like, gave it all they had just to save Siri. Like, it took all of them in that, like, place. So, who knows how that's going to go down. It raised a lot of questions. Made me super intrigued to see season three. Can't wait for that to come out. And then, just when you thought, you know, we were getting a break on this shit. Like, they're pulling, like, the whole you know mandalorian book of bubba fett thing like now we're creating a whole universe on this hearing the history of the elves and at the same time too even in this season now the elves are starting their own retribution right so everything's like a fucking suicide mission free for all at this point so questions on questions on questions but they still happen to answer everything so it's just really intriguing it's still even though you know every series has some flaws at some point nothing's perfect in my opinion i still have yet to see a show that's perfect uh harry potter is the only book series that i've seen is perfect and dear lord knows the films had a shitload of problems so like all i'm saying is it has some problems but i'm still super excited to see the next season it's a great time to be a witcher fan what do you think man well i think that when we went through a how many months of covering Harry Potter and talked about all the plot holes in every single book that makes it far from perfect. But, um, 
Okay. <laughs> fair uh, enough. Okay, fair uh, enough. Yeah. Anyways, no, like I, I don't think that there's any piece of work that's perfect. Um, but that, I do want to talk about that one part that you mentioned at the very beginning of when you went through your takeaways there about Fringilla and Kahir. Because you guys mm-hmm. remember, like, the, Kahir, but Fringilla, when she killed all those people in front of Kahir at that table last episode, she said, I'm not going back to that dungeon. And they got taken away to this whatever this dungeon is. So we're gonna figure out like what is it? it's not it can't be just like a normal like prison cell like something has to happen there either it's like some level of torture or like they do like a mental type of thing maybe kind of in the show like low key like a time loop of just replaying like worst moments or something like I don't think that's what's gonna happen I don't think that's necessarily the, like the vibe they're going with I don't think they've got the futuristic technology for it. I'm just saying like like it can't be like a normal prison I can't be like a normal dungeon or else there'd be no reason why she'd be this terrified of like going back to it so I'm very curious to figure out what's going on in that dungeon that uh, she just is so uh, against and like 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 it's her worst fear type of deal. Um, as far as takeaways for everything else, yeah, of course Volkmir is going to come back. I mean, she's the biggest villain that we've seen in the season, and she's not defeated, so that's you know uh, something that's unfinished. But on top of that, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I saw with the with the wraiths of Morag there and that other sphere, didn't her embers look like they merged with the leader of the Wild was- Hunt? Yeah, like, I put that in my notes too. I thought yeah. she like possessed them, but I didn't want to just assume. Like that's yeah, what's so hard about this. Like I don't want to just assume something happened, but it looked like it to me. Like it looked like almost the exact same thing that happened to Siri. The only difference is we knew that happened because we saw what yeah. inspired from that. I, I think that's what happened. I think she merged with the leaders of the Wraiths of Morag. And if you think about it that way, the Wraiths of Morag themselves like yeah they kind of may bear like a resemblance to you know the ring of race and the lord of the rings that we you know we'll, we'll talk about not too not too long now from today but uh they also to me they like a symbolism of like the four horsemen of the apocalypse if you're going to kind of like yeah. equate it into our real world right so if you're going to equate like the four horsemen of the apocalypse and this ancient deadly witch that has been given the witcher's issues since day one before the conjunction like they're, they're, now that they're combining powers, this is something. Like, like what are we gonna do, man? Like, like you said, yeah. that you just with uh, Volathmir by herself uh, possessing Ciri's body, they had the basilisks come in and wreck a whole bunch of shit, and they lost another what three or four witchers in that battle alone, and they already lost the three that she killed with the dagger. There's seven right there. There's only like eighteen of them left. So you're down. We're like, like, like we're approaching single digits of witchers left. Like, yeah. like there's there's yeah. not there's not really that many left, and like we haven't gotten like series we have series blood if she wants to do it. But we haven't gotten to the point where we're starting to replenish on witchers yet. And now it also takeaway is like, what happened with this Lydia character? Like, she they have her blood. Like, you know, does she now have new powers because she inhaled series blood? Is she technically a witcher, or is she something else? There's like, what's going on here? There's so many things that uh, the ways this can go going forward. It's really cool. I'm really excited and happy about you know being a, like a Witcher fan and where this can go from the future. And my takeaways from this episode too, just you know, it, every like you said, everything kind of came to a head. You know, we it, what was kind of cool too is it was a big battle that lasted the majority of it. Like it kept cutting back between different things and making sure that we were you know following along with the different people at different times. But that battle started pretty darn early in in the yeah. sh- show, so it was really cool to kind of see it play out over time. And it wasn't just like coming together and beating a big bad like they had a fight amongst themselves too like Vesemir tried to kill Ciri just to get it over with and Geralt had to kind of deflect his sword attacks and they had to have a little battle amongst themselves and you know Yennefer and, and 
Geralt are not in great terms. She's trying to get back into his good graces. He doesn't want to look at her, especially the beginning parts of this episode. Yeah. Obviously, we had that conversation at the end that makes me believe like they're not on the best of terms, but he's willing to accept the fact that she needs to help Siri, so he's going to allow her to stick around, and they're probably going to get to a point where they're good again. But, you know, there, there's that whole the, you know, conflict. And there, that part where I was talking with Tissaia and Foltis and the other kings, like, that wasn't part of their brotherhood. She was just, uh, she's like the head mage, right? Or like a, like a co-head mage. So she was more or less giving a, a debrief to the kingdoms. And so those are the kings. And so now, that's the bigger part of it, is now we got all these different kingdoms involved in this shit now, too. Right? This is, it's not just, you know, Sintra, Nilfgaard, Sodden. You know, now we've got Temeria to worry about. We've got... Redania to worry about. We've got whatever Foltis Kingdom is. Like it's just, I think Foltis Kingdom is the Temeria, but there's just there's so many different uh, uh, kingdoms. Now this new girl is the queen of one of them, and uh, we don't know which one she rules over unless you've read the books. And so it's just so many different avenues, and more things are getting involved, and so things are getting piled on. But what I like about this is that it seems to be answering things little at a time, little at a time. And so while we were talked about it last week, certain aspects felt rushed, like. You know the murder. Well, I guess the murder of the baby. Um, but the whole thing with uh, Jennifer and Cirilla having one episode together. Like, now it's starting to see. This is this is a way to kind of answer it because, like we were talking about, Geralt says we're gonna have to all stick together. And then that guy that had the ridiculous long name said they were destined for each other, and that that never came up before in these other ones. Yeah. The only thing I remember is uh what's his name Bort's four jackdaws the golden dragon from season one saying they aren't going to be together remember he said you'll never have a baby and you'll never be with her or something so like where was yeah. this other prophecy when did that happen we haven't even got to see that like you know so there's so many things that are still in play here you know we haven't got we haven't quite gotten to the part where we can just follow along with the present day things there's still a lot of things coming in from the past that are being brought in back full circle and so like that was my biggest takeaway from this with this episode is that we closed out season two and yeah, answered some questions, but if anything, I think it left like even more questions. Like how are we going to yeah. go forward here in, in season three, we didn't defeat the big bad person, right? We got her out of series body, which was like a, a small win, but now the witchers are almost depleted. They're almost down to single digits in numbers. You know, Volth Mir is teamed up with the race of Morog, which, you know, by all counts are you know, one of the deadliest things to, to encounter and they're supposed to bring the end of days right that's what their their prophecy is is the wraiths of Mar bring the end of days and now you bring them in and you, you tie in this deathless mother witch like what the hell is going to happen how are they going to overcome this like what's what is going to happen they barely survived the first time around so yeah i think what it really came down to is that we got some really cool action in this one we got to see you know, and Istrid made another appearance and talking about how she, now Siri could be the one Ithlene's promise or prophesies, and how that's the one that she promised is going to come through to save them. So there's so many different places working against each other, and other places working with each other, and it's just it, there. There's a lot going on. It's very busy, but in a cool and fun way, not like rushed into. We have to figure it all out and have a solution today. It's like it's going to have you thinking about it going forward, and that's why I'm really excited. I hope this series last you know 10 plus seasons whatever they want to do with it so um, that was my takeaway of the episode overall do you want to give us a little rundown of the basilisk monsters yeah i'll give us a quick little rundown here um so first actually which is really cool so one thing i do want to say so that igni that he used to like fight it off it's that fire spell because i was wondering where that came from 
that is like I was saying in the book, and it's a they kind of explain this in a little bit of the force field because I had to look this up in the book. But the way they explain it is they say it's a magical sign used by witchers in compromise of using pyrokinetic bursts that can repel and ignite opponents, but it's not exactly tapping into fire magic. So that's how they get away with that. Um, also, I guess that's sort of like the same thing with the force field spell that that Kiora or whatever we talked about before. So that just kind of answered a little bit of this question. So I thought it was interesting. But as far as the Basilisk itself, so this was interesting. It says, simple people call the Basilisk king. Bro, you got to say the name right, man. You're killing me with this thing. Dude. What is there's it? No, there's no, yeah, there's no K after the S. Just look how it's spelled. This, Basilisk. This spelled. Basilisk. There should be a K. It's like, <laughs> okay, Basilisk. Thank the you. king <laughs> of Zeracanian deserts. And they're often mistaken for cockatrice. But they're not. And it says they claim that the beast is filled with such hatred towards living things that even its breath of venom uh, can turn turn any person into stone. It says, um, it doesn't say exactly how much venom, but it says a certain amount of venom can turn a person into stone. It says the fact that witchers often encounter these creatures, I won't say the name because I ruin it, <laughs> they're often encountered in dungeons and cellars and it contradicts the legend and suggests that creatures can reproduce on e- under any conditions like many of their nasty monster monster brethren's in fairy tales it says the only certain way to kill a basilisk is by holding a mirror in front of its eyes and divert its deadly gaze interesting because it's kind of similar to the harry potter thing it says witchers uh witchers reply that it's far better to smash the mirror on the creature's head to try to kill it but it says and this is straight out of the book it says in uh one of the most historical i guess um basilisk to be killed it says in memory of the noble knight roderick he slayed a basilisk during a valiant struggle he had to choke it to its bones and then he smashed a mirror on its head contrary to belief that basilisk can turn anything into stone with their gaze however it's really their acid venom and claws that provide weapons to kill so their venom turns it into stone and then basilisk love dark damp places and then it says when preparing to fight the creature one should drink an elixir of golden oriole which will provide resistance to the venom. So I guess that's the elixirs, some of the elixirs that they had. But a, a sharpnel bomb is what works particularly well to distract them. And a basilisk leather is highly valued material in the world of witchers to use it for women's handbags and shoes. Um, also, they can protect themselves with gold dust, which can... Uh, can work as camouflage against basilisks and it says combative tactics despite appearances basilisks are vulnerable to igni which is that fire spell and other means of fire such as uh, bombs as well as a time bomb of igni can bring down a flying basilisk to ground level but distract the beast 
and distract the beast from being able to properly defend itself. They are skilled at using wings and talons on their feet in similar fashion to a cockatrice, while in combat with witchers they have been observed parrying sword strikes with their wings and then leaping into the air and landing near devastated overhead blows with swords that they grab with their talons. They can also hover momentarily and then usually it says it's known for spitting acid from above which turns people into stone. So just really interesting stuff there and that's straight out of you can find that in the monster hand what do you call this thing? I say monster book of monsters it's Harry Potter. The monster hunters handbook you can find that here or you can also find a small sliver of that packet uh, passage in the book Blood of Elves, which is what this season is based off of. So very interesting stuff like Medusa. You know, I would have probably kicked this ass. They should have just made me a witcher because, you know, that's what I do. I just walk in and I just fucking beat that ass. Probably would have made a song about it, too. Like a little combination of Jack Sear and, and uh, Yarpin. That's kind of how I see myself. <laughs> Anyways, back to uh, Jay Nelly, man. You want to kick us off with the debates for today? No, actually, I wanted to ask a question about that because one of the things in there that you said, unless I misheard, mm-hmm. you said that ba- uh, the basilisk can only be killed by holding a mirror to it or smashing it over its head. No, because it says oh, okay. that's one of the ways it can be oh, killed. Okay. And it said the most legendary uh, witcher to kill a basilisk smashed the mirror over its head, and that's it. how I like killed it. So. All right, because I was gonna say, man, we saw we saw all three of those basilisks oh, die, and not not. <laughs> not a single one of them was used with a mirror there. So yeah, it was no. really interesting. I was trying, I wanted to get context on that, so I obviously I misheard it or didn't didn't hear that. It's yeah, no, and it was there, describing so. just like that's one of the most preferred ways or known ways by witchers to kill a basilisk, but that's just the most known witcher, I guess, in history of the Witcher universe whoever that guy's name was that was the most known case of killing a basilisk was he smashed a mirror over its head i don't know it didn't go into detail as far as like if it stabbed it or something but he just smashed the mirror over its head and that's all it said in that passage so i guess leave it to your um your conclusion of how that happened i like to think the mirror smashed over its head he stabbed it with some glass Maybe threw the shards at him like Voleth Mir did. You know, I exaggerate a little bit. I think it sounds better that way. <laughs> well, you know what? I know you played <laughs> a nice little platinum card called the Great Debate card earlier. I'm going to go ahead and play a nice little purple looking card that is called Malice in the Chalice. I'm oh, going to play boy. this card here. And all I want to say, and it's just something that I think it, it is really off topic. And, you know, I, especially myself, I, I, I tend to stay away from drawing too many comparisons to other like forms of literature and other works but like how crazy is it that in the witcher here we've got this thing called the basilisk it has like some combination of like rooster dinosaur snake looking thing and uh almost like like a raptor with like chicken legs and like i don't know it was really (laughs) it was really interesting um and then you know how people in the witcher universe mistake them for a cockatrice well, those are two very famous names of creatures in the Harry Potter universe, although they look wildly <laughs> different. So it's just really interesting how, like, the fantasy genre, and I just want to bring it up quickly, like, it, it really kind of, you can have things that are called the same, and they can have similar properties, but they, they're completely different in, in the ways they are introduced into their, you know, 
respective universes. So it is interesting because you guys remember, yeah, obviously, any Harry Potter fan remember that the basilisk basically looks like a huge snake that like, that moves and slithers on the ground. There's no legs to it, right? And obviously, if it looks at you, it doesn't turn you to stone. It kills you. Like it just kills you with its its mm-hmm. death gear. You're petrified. You die or whatever. So you know, obviously, you have to look at look at its eyes through something else. Like you know, so you don't die right away. Like Moaning Myrtle did. Moaning Myrtle got killed by looking straight <laughs> into the basilisk, right? You know, everyone else got petrified by looking at it through the water, looking through a mirror, or like whatever it may be, looking at it through a ghost, right? So. Yeah, this is kind of not the same thing. And now the venom here in the Witchers is a little bit different. You know, the acidic stuff that it pours out of the basilisk's mouth in the Witcher universe, that's not really something that we really see in the Harry Potter universe. And the cockatrice is something that we had to do interesting facts on because it's not one that's... Uh, I think it maybe it's mentioned very briefly in one of the books, but there's no, like, description of it. It just says, like, the word cockatrice, and, like, we've yeah. got to kind of do our own little thing. And so now the fact that this is kind of brought up here, I just find it really, really interesting how different works of literature kind of utilize the same names for monsters but kind of detail them into things that fit what they're looking to accomplish themselves so just one of the things i want to point out with the malice and chalice card it's not really directly on topic so i wanted to use it but yeah man what are your thoughts on it and do you like you kind of see the same sort of things like what do you think yeah man i'll use a malice and the chalice card on that topic for you <laughs> just in case it runs a little longer on that topic malice and the chalice man Get a little swig with me going. Get a little swig here. Sounds like a plan. But yeah, I'll give you my thoughts, but I first want to know, like, who would you choose? What basilisk would you choose? Like, which one do you think would devour the other one? And if our witchers here fought the basilisk in Harry Potter, do you think it'd be easier or more difficult of a time? I think the Witcher Basilisk would fuck the Harry Potter Basilisk up because you think number so? one, I was dude, thinking the Harry Potter one would kick I some ass, so. man. Bro, this bas- these Basilisks can fly. They can attack you from the sky. They can pour acid on you from their mouth. Like their stare, the, like stare turns you into stone. Like it does. It's basically like the Basilisk, but does a lot more, and it can fly. <laughs> like you know, it's smart. It attacks people overhead. Like. The Basilisk and Harry Potter can really just do one thing, right? I mean, here, like, here's the best way to put it out here. How many bas- like The Basilisk took out how many witchers? A good three or four, right? Dude, the Basilisk and Harry Potter got killed by a, 13, a 12-year-old boy. A 12-year-old boy with a sword <laughs> killed yeah, the Harry Potter Basilisk. How in the world are you going to compare that to these Basilisks that took out full-blown monster killers? You know what I mean? Like these, like these basilisks destroyed the fuck out of the Witchers, well, and they that just happen to have the chosen one. Geralt's so. not the chosen one in this story. That was the boy who lived. He had to pull that shit from a hat, man. Kick some ass. I'm saying though, the thing got like, it stabbed him through there, and he needed help from like a bird. But I'm so I'm saying like it doesn't take much to kill that basilisk. Like it took a lot of Witchers to kill the two basilisks that we did see. Then that one that ran out, Geralt. Geralt was able to kind of handle because Geralt's Geralt. But I'm saying, like, that's more believable. And these are full-fledged monster hunters. That uh, That's what their whole life's mission is to do, is to fight these things. And they still had a rough time. Where Harry is a 12-year-old boy who's never had a girlfriend yet, <laughs> picked up the sword of Gryffindor out of a hat, and said, here, I'm going to put this to the roof of your mouth and call it a day. Like, that's like, I don't know. I don't even think it's close, man. I think the I think the Witcher Basilisks, like, they, they make the Harry Potter Basilisks look real bad. <laughs> okay, a quick question, then. So... Geralt or Harry, who are you taking in a fight? And then I'll say Siri or Harry, who are you taking in the fight? The two chosen ones here. 
I'm taking Siri in a fight for sure because, <laughs> like, like, dude, here's the thing. Harry, we, we talked about this before. We've said it multiple times when we had our, our debates on the strongest characters in Harry Potter. Like, I don't consider Harry Potter one of the strongest characters at all. Like, I don't yeah, think he's, he's a very like, overwhelmingly <laughs> powerful wizard. He's, like, really skated by by a lot of luck. He's had a lot of help from a lot of people. Like, Siri, like, Siri just has more ability. Like, she can do a lot more. She's cracking, like, the time-space continuums. Like, with the, like the monoliths allowing monsters to come from different planets. Like, like she has, like, these crazy abilities. You know, like, maybe a Harry with the Elder Wand before he snapped it in half in the books. And then, or not, I'm sorry. When he, uh, <laughs> buried like, it yeah, in the books. That's, yeah, buried it and then snapped it in half in the fucking movie. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe then that'd make it more interesting. But I don't know. I don't even think Harry can, like defeat himself half the time he's his own worst enemy like i don't know man i just i think cirilla whoops that ass 10 times out of 10 if you fight them Geralt, <laughs> i don't know Geralt can't really use magic you know he can use like little bits of magic it seems with the elixirs you know he's very resilient but we've seen him almost get killed by some of these monsters remember that end of season one he got really messed up by that one like zombie looking thing or whatever before the guy who plays yorn in game of thrones dragged him off in the cart and you know, they had to, like, really kind of... He, he ended up seeing his mother, remember? He's, again, like, so far back, like, in his head because he was in... Yeah. Like, like dying, it looked like. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Because just for the fact that Geralt doesn't seem like he can use magic at will and, like, be able to do, like, a variety of things with that magic. He's got some magic component. But uh, because of that, like, Harry probably has the edge over Geralt. But, like, Siri like, is going to... I'm assuming, especially if we're going to take Siri full prime, which we're probably going to get in, what, season four, of when she's at the full peak level of Witcher, like, physical ability, and then full mage ability. Like, dude, Harry, Harry ain't touching that, bro. <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Harry, Harry ain't touching that. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with you, man. Yeah, except for, I don't know, man, like, the Basilisk thing. Like, I love Chamber of Secrets. I love the Book of Chamber of Secrets. And remember what it did to to Hermione, you know, one of the smartest witchers in in the world here, you know, smarter her, than Yennefer. Hermione is okay? a witch, not a witcher. So <laughs> <laughs> smarter than Yennefer here, <laughs> and uh, petrified her, man. You got this uh, basilisk chicken cockatrice thing over here in this witcher verse, and it's got to get venom on you. Just to turn you into stone. Even Geralt with his little fire spell, little force field is kicking ass. Even kicking ass. I think that Basilisk and Harry Potter beat that ass. I think he would have chomped them all up in that Chamber of Secrets uh, witcher crowd. He probably would have ate the damn tree, too. Probably would have ate the tree. <laughs> yeah, probably would have had it in the little... Uh, probably would have made that damn temple his Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> is what would have happened in there. Probably would have taken Yennefer himself. Made Jennifer the little uh, Jenny Weasley of the Witchers. She's just laying there. It wasn't going to even be a Val Morith or whatever the fuck her name is. Val That Morin. had nothing to do with the Basilisk. <laughs> that had everything to do with the diary. That was Tom Riddle's diary that did that to Jenny. It had nothing to do with the Basilisk. Okay, fair enough. You know, okay, fine. Even better. And then I'll end this Malice and the Chalice. And we're off to the debates. Ooh, here's a good one. Who are you taking? Tom Riddle as Voldemort or Val Morin? What's her name? Val Morith? Volith Mir. Volith Mir. Volith Mir. Which one are you taking, man? Which well, one are you seems taking? Seems how Lord Voldemort couldn't take over a school full of high school children, and Volith Mir took out like one of the first Witchers, and like his, that can't be stopped and only been contained for eternity. I'm probably taking Volith Mir. 
So that's what we're, that's <laughs> oh, where we're going. Damn, with. I thought it was definitely going for Voldemort, man. Voldemort yeah, couldn't take over one school in one section of he London. He was the most heinous wi- wizard of all time. He started a whole uprising. Uh, this Maria girl, whatever her name was, she got trapped in a little hut thing. <laughs> like, uh, you know, Hansel and Gretel. They put her in a little house. <laughs> Fine, all I'll I'm give saying, it to you, but I think all, Voldemort oh, would that we ass. Can, we can agree and disagree. I'm just simply stating that Voldemort had one section of one part of London that he controlled. He was not taking over the world, and he couldn't even defeat one high school in fucking London. All right? You're going to tell me that? <laughs> where, like, Voldemort, like, ran the whole damn sphere, and everyone's fucking scared of her. They call her the Deathless Mother. They're, like, they, they say her name, and you shiver, like, ooh, you know, like, I don't know, man. I like... Everyone's scared of Voldemort in that one section of London, but when it goes to worldwide things, like, what do you do, really? Didn't do anything. <laughs> I gotta give you props, too, because Volathmir has been, like, feared for centuries. But at the same time, I realized what I was doing. I was combining Kier Morin with Volathmir, so it made Val Morin. Ooh, that'd be <laughs> fucking scary. Like, you should go over the place. All right, I give it to you. Malice in the Chalice card, Gone to the Shadows. Um, uh-huh. Did I answer your original question? I make sure you didn't get too off topic on that one. Yeah, no, just I, I, my, I, it wasn't even really a question. It was just more like, isn't it kind of interesting how they, the fantasy genres, they, they, the different yeah. pieces of literature, kind of use similar monsters and kind of they twist them to what they want it to be in their piece of work? So I thought, I just think that's really cool, really interesting. So yeah, but, it's great stuff, man. You want to kick us off on the debates? Yeah, dude. Uh, I'll. I only got one debate here, and the big question for me is kind of like what really becomes of the elves now like like because i'm assuming at some point in time they're gonna figure out that it wasn't redania that ordered the the hit on the baby that it was nilfgaard there so like do we think they're gonna kind of stand on their own and they're gonna be their like own separate entity kind of like in game of thrones the brotherhood without banners where they're not really fighting for any side they're just trying to fight for the good of the realm so to speak even though maybe for them it's gonna be fighting for the good of their people and how to you know kind of come back there or do we think they're gonna be like oh fuck like we were like fighting redania here but they're actually not the ones that did this now we're gonna join the northern forces and we're gonna go after nilfgaard because they're the real bad guys like what do you see coming from the elves going forward I mean, I think it's a personal vendetta is the problem. Um, I would want to say Francesca is reasonable, but we saw based on that last episode, she's not. I mean, even Gage was trying to talk her down. I'll be like, you know, this isn't the way you do things. I think she's going to start. I Here's what I think. I think part of them, like, I think it's even going to come down to, at some point, probably even Phil Evandrel's going to want to go against her. But I think it's going to kind of be like, not to compare to other stories here or franchises, but kind of like that Daenerys Targaryen thing. Like, I think she's going to make it personal and go after Nilfgaard. And um, the, I mean, of course, she's going to go after Fringilla uh, over this whole thing. But I think it's I think it's going to come down to the elves kind of against uh, the white flame and his army here. Uh, but I think it it can almost be taken too far, and I think they're going to have a civil war in themselves. That's just my prediction personally of what could happen because right now they're kind of almost you know no one's really even thinking of the elves like they're not even really a threat at this point. Like I mean, it's almost like they're fighting for their own social justice in a way. Besides now. You know, and I think they're really overlooked at sometimes because we saw like the power Francesca has. 
just when Yennefer and, and Fringilla were brought into their tent by Phil Evandrel at the beginning of the season. So it will be interesting to see if they go get more allies or how that goes. But I feel like we haven't really seen enough of their potential at this point for me to think they're any sort of threat. But I think potentially they could go get more allies and start this sort of uprising against you know the white flame and his army is what i think could possibly happen what about you yeah you know i think that's the whole the issue is that we gotta figure out when they're gonna find out the truth right because we know it's gonna happen at some point that's you know we're not gonna just end the series with them not finding out the, the actual truth <laughs> of what happened <laughs> yeah right yeah. so what i think what what's likely to happen is that you know I think one thing that you kind of missed there in that what you were going over is the fact that Eastrid kind of gave him the information that Siri is like uh, Henki or whatever, like the blood, of, like a blood of elders, and so so like elder blood. She's of elder blood, and so very very possibly, depending on because we we remember we had this kind of debate before, like who's the real good guy, who's the real bad guy, and we couldn't really make the case that either side was a good guy like we couldn't really say Nilfgar was the good guys right. we couldn't really say the northern people were the good guys because the way they're treating and enslaving these elves and so like you know maybe maybe the elves are like what's what are the quote-unquote good guys you know and they kind of very much you know game of thrones eve where it starts out how the starks were kind of getting the shit end of the deal the whole series yeah. and then you know ended up coming out on top maybe we kind of have that same sort of like a uh, thing going and and siri ends up taking her place amongst the elves eventually and her, she is the one who uh, Ithleen promised like as Eastred said and maybe she's the one that can kind of even the tides to where the elves are a formidable force and now it's a big you know whole thing where you know maybe we're split into a uh, you know, big tri war you know and then maybe a quad war if you want to add the mages to her maybe the mages just split up amongst the different factions of who they think is in the right and who they support and whatever so I think that the elves can absolutely become a big f- playing factor if they are what Siri and Geralt and Yennefer decide the quote-unquote like better like not to say lesser of all the evils but like if they can kind of see their side of it more than the others and the fact that she does have elven blood and that is kind of technically her family in a way she is one of them and she's if she's the one that's prophesized I don't see why they wouldn't make a big play in the series to come and how big that could really kind of come out uh, overall when it comes to the elves and what their role is and how their their community ends up by the end of the series interesting yeah interesting thought quick question on that too say if that potentially does happen with you know siri and yennefer picking sides eventually we're gonna have to assume here that Siri's going to have to go up against her own father. How do you feel like that's playing out? Do you think, in a way, or do you think we're even getting maybe like a biased side look at things from the White Flame's perspective? Like, do you think he, in a way, is actually just trying to find Siri despite knowing she's the key, or he's just doing this for his own ruthlessness to find Siri because she is only the key? which is why he killed the elven baby or do you think there's actually family ties there he cares about i think it's probably very much pretty much uh, with any good fantasy fiction series one of the main villains i can't i don't we don't really know if he's the main main villain i wouldn't say i think i think volith mir is probably the main villain um but you know with some of these villains the people who play 
roles because we, again we can make the case that Nilfgaard aren't the villains you know you know they were right yeah, so like it's just, it depends on how you see Nilfgaard as a whole but I think that you know but now that they killed a whole baby just to you know cause you know, the allegiance to themselves yeah. again, it can't really hard it's hard to put them as good guys either right so my thing is that with the white flame here Dooney is his name um, I think he has like it's almost like do the ends justify the means? I think he's got like a, his not maybe his heart's in the right place, but I think he has an idea of he like a familial tie where he wants things to end up a certain way, but he's going about it all wrong. Like you know, the end goal is is fine. Like whatever he wants is probably like just like a, like a normal life or whatever. You know, not being her being pursued by all these people, he's trying to use them for their their benefits and maybe it's like a level of protection but the way he's going about it and trying to dominate everything and take over and you know be the one thing that she can come to is just not the right way to go about it so that's what i think i think maybe he's got you know like a a decent end goal in mind but i think he's going about it like like a typical villain would be kind of similar to you know most villains that we see that you can almost see where they're coming from but the way the actions they take are just unacceptable and so that's kind of where i probably see that and i do kind of think that to the point you mentioned too do we see you know her going up against her father because like, at some point it's going to come to a head and like yeah actually i do i do think i see that i do think that is going to be one of a, a bigger uh conflict when she kind of comes into her own and she's not just like the scared girl she's like making progress but she's not at her peak right. of like you know you know she's not in her prime yet of uh, of the best of all of herself and so yeah. you know once it gets to that point i think we're going to get some real some real stuff i don't know what do you think uh, I got one more question to get a full answer on that from you. Do you think her mother's alive, and do you think her mother is going to play a role in that to determine the outcome between her and her father? Oh, that's so hard because to me, I just think about it as if I'm the author. Like, what would be the benefit of keeping Pavetta alive? You know, because she has that she had, I should say, because of right now we're assuming she's dead. She had that screaming ability power, and it, she couldn't control it, and it kind of consumed her. And so, honestly, this is what I really think is the possibility. I think Amir's trying to, to get Cirilla, uh, I call him Amir, but you know, Dooney, her dad, whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. I think he wants Cirilla because he feels that he can save her from himself. He, because I think what might have happened, I think Pavetta is dead. And I think part of the reason she died is that chaos inside of her, she never learned to control it, and it basically consumed her. And I think that's okay. what drove Dooney to like going mad and going to this become this new uh character of amir like becoming like a new person because he feels like he failed pavetta and couldn't help her control what she was and he almost feels responsibility for the death of pavetta and so he does he yeah. wants to make sure that doesn't happen to cirilla and so because he doesn't want to happen to cirilla he's going through all these like you know bad actions to kind of have a decent end goal in mind like being being like realistic that's what i really think i think pavetta is dead i think that she died and Dooney blames himself for the death because he couldn't help her control that chaos because that doesn't make any sense to have Pavetta around with two people having similar abilities. It makes much more sense like, okay, the first time around it didn't work and we couldn't figure this out and she ended up dying and killing herself but her daughter is like the last hope type of deal like where this is this is who we got now. Now we got to make sure that this doesn't consume her. And so Dooney, basically what he wants to do is what Geralt and Yennefer are doing currently is like training her, making sure she can develop in all the right ways. And so I think that's what he wants for her, but he's going about it, making sure no one else gets to her first to use her for all those other things, but he's doing it by, you know, taking over places and like, you know, killing innocent people and stuff. And so 
that's what I really think. So to, the long story short of that last specific question, I think Pavetta's dead. I think it has something to do with her power consuming her, and I think Dooney blames himself, and I think that's why actions are taking place the way they are with like the White Flame and Milfgard. So that's what I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it. I think it could be. I guess the problem is I really don't have an answer to any of that because we truly don't know yet. Like we it's don't true. know how this is going to play out. So, um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that could very well be almost like the Shang Chi sort of thing, like how like his dad went off the deep end. Like I think that very could well be a thing. Um, for my first debate here, because I got a few of them real quick before we close out for today. Um, it, so we answered one actually. That was really kind of one. But so, where do you think Jennifer Geralt? in series i got two by the way so don't panic too much it's just two <laughs> where do you think yennefer Geralt in series story arc goes and do you think Geralt will ever be able to fully trust yennefer again now that she crossed the line and betrayed him and siri betrayed Geralt and siri so where their story arc goes from here in my opinion is that we'll probably get a little bit of um after all this chaos there's usually some semblance of like normalcy for a little bit before the next big conflict so we'll probably get like uh, immediately the their arc is probably going to go into like her training and they're going to work together amicably i don't think he's trusting her right off the bat i think something's going to happen somehow she gets kidnapped or taken by one of these trillion different factions looking for her at this point and then i think what ends up happening now that yennefer has her magic back she probably does some heroic act and like is able to save Siri in a way that Geralt maybe couldn't because like his lack of you know magical ability or whatever it may be. So my point is is like I think eventually to the second part of it, yes, they will develop that full trust and bond again. I think it will take some time, and I'll think it, I think it will take Yennefer having to do something that Geralt couldn't do to help Siri for him to realize okay she did this for her like 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 she didn't do this out of a selfish reason to kind of get back in my good graces she could have like just said no but she did it like you know for the you know siri and that's why i think if she can show that level of compassion and caring for someone else other than herself and it, it, it manifests in like a heroic action of saving sorella in some way shape or form in a way that Geralt couldn't i think that's how she gains that trust back and they get back to that real like tight bond level talking about Jennifer and Geralt um, but then the first part of the question where the immediate arc goes, I think the immediate arc is like they, they're working together to train her to the best of their abilities with both of their strengths. Like what he's good at in training her, what Yennefer is good at in training her. And then eventually, obviously, everything, all hell is going to break loose with everyone on the search for her. We know with Rience, uh, Dijkstra, Redania, the elves, Nilfgaard, like yeah, everyone, the, the mages now, they're in on the hunt too. So like I, that's what I think, and then you know obviously it's going to be how they respond to all the chaos that ensues afterwards, and that's what their arc's going to kind of go is just basically keeping each other safe for as long as they possibly can. So yeah, I have to agree. I think that's, I mean that's the most logical place it goes. Now I think it's going to be have to be something very major to happen. Like I think it's going to have to be a something basically Geralt's entirely taken out of the picture at that point and it's solely up to Yennefer to kind of like save the day like I think that's what it's going to take I think it's going to really take some time because what's so great about what's happening now is it really shows you know how devoted he is to Siri. like 
that one act like i felt like yennefer could have done probably anything else like you know tried to stab him in his sleep whatever the fuck it was but the fact that you crossed the line with siri is what's broken it this down this far uh so i i think it's gonna be have to be something like that but i agree with you 100 percent. so uh the next one here is i kind of said this um a little bit earlier when we saw that trailer with like the blood origins thing that we saw that's coming up do you think the witcher universe is going to become an entire universe like star wars harry potter game of thrones all that and do you think we've asked this question a lot now that they're starting to do these spinoff series and stuff do you think it's going to make the series more successful where potentially it could be something really popular like that or do you think they're going in the wrong way and they should really just focus on what they have at the moment? Ah, uh, that's a that's a thought provoking one just because, like, I, I don't see how if you if it because like, I don't have the numbers of success that The Witcher has on Netflix, right? I don't know how many viewers they mm-hmm. have. I don't know, like, you know, how many people tune in just to watch The Witcher. But like, let's assume it's somewhat on the same pace as Game of Thrones. You'd have to assume that they're going to expand the universe because everyone else has done it, right? It's not like, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Everyone else is already doing it. And we've seen it become successful already, expanding universes on it. Uh, so I, I, that's why I think it probably is going to. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what characters are going to be involved. But, you know, it already we're already getting a spinoff out of off of two seasons here and i guess that that's kind of par for the course with you know because mandalorian was after two seasons we got the the boba fett spinoff right so um yeah i i definitely see i think it depends on the success uh viewership wise of the witcher like the the demand out there by the audience uh you know if, if not as many people are watching it there's no point to spend all the budgetary money and and you know getting all that stuff situated for filming and and all that if not enough people are going to watch it to make up the revenue so i think uh it's really going to depend on that and if i had access to the numbers or you know anything like that it maybe had an easier answer but i think the overall plan for them is in their head ideally it's a smash hit it, it, you know with like everything is going to go really well the witcher is going to be it's like flagship you know production but then we're going to have like spinoffs here and there whether it's prequels sequels like you know some stuff that happens in the middle that you know we would get introduced to a character who shows up plays a big role in the witcher for a little bit but then like we kind of goes away and maybe we follow his journey or her journey somewhere else along their own series kind of like this ahsoka thing that we got potentially coming out too you know so i i think it's possible i definitely think that's what their plan is now will it happen i think it's going to come down to viewership numbers um yeah so i i definitely i if, if the numbers are great i absolutely think they should i don't think they should just stick to what they have you know the, the potential is there to make a lot of money for everybody actors you know, you know the producers you know cameramen directors film groups like there's, there's a lot to be done that's beneficial why not do it so that's yeah. my thought yeah i i think so i think i think i can definitely see that being their plan um I mean, I, I would say it's definitely a good sign because we usually don't see series get spinoff series after only season two. So I'd say clearly the numbers have to be there. Uh, in my opinion, I do feel like Netflix sees this as this is 
their baby that can try to compete with like this new Lord of the Rings series and Game of Thrones because we know those are juggernauts. So I think, in my opinion, I feel like they see this as like this is their chance. Like this is their one chance to try to be able to compete with those other two platforms with this type of genre. What do you think about that? Yeah, I know they have that other show. I never really got into it, The Last Kingdom. I don't know if you've checked it out yeah, or not. Yeah, I've never but, seen it. So, like, I know that the, that was one. I don't think that it has the same uh, fan base or audience engagement level that The Witcher does. So, I, I, I agree. I mean, I've said it even before. I said it back in season one that, like, I think this was Netflix's answer to Game of Thrones. This is back when we first started chasing Josh Factor Fantasy in 2020 when I said that. So, <laughs> I've, always, I've always felt that that was the case, but... I just you know I just don't I don't see what other what other show that they could have that could could be like the that they were, they were trying to put right there with it except that Last Kingdom show and I just I just haven't seen it and I don't really see a lot of you know marketing for it or advertising so I just have to assume that The Witcher yeah. is is well ahead of it in that in that case so yeah I don't that's that's what I think yeah. on it well sorry my, just to rephrase that question so it's a little more direct I'm saying like if you put all those on a level playing field like where they're at now. So Witcher's kind of brought up a little bit of its audience after just starting, you know, a couple of years ago. But now you have a brand new show and House of Dragon coming out for Game of Thrones. It already has that audience of we know what Game of Thrones has. Lord of the Rings, that's, you could argue, one of the most classic fantasy series ever. So it already has its audience. You put all these on a level playing field, because of the back history that Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings has, do you think The Witcher will be able to put up numbers like that if you put them all on a level playing field compared to what these new two we know are going to at least bring in a decent amount of numbers just because of the fan base they already have had based on previous predecessors? Yeah, I don't I don't know if they can they can like I think they're going to go as close as any other show on Netflix could go to those numbers i just don't see it you know keeping pace numbers wise just because number one what is game of thrones has what five books out right now they want a total of seven two are still left unwritten um right or they have six books out right i don't even know at this point to be honest with you yeah game of thrones trying to come out with wins a winner next well i know i'm trying to see like i'm trying to remember in my head how many books in total i remember there's a game of thrones feast for crows sort of of storms yeah storm of swords flash of kings dance of dragons there's there's five right so yeah so i was right the first time but um so the fact that they they've got people waiting on the books to come out on top of the fact that this new series is coming out, on top of the fact that the first uh, series of Game of Thrones it was a wild success, well, it was I think it had some of the top numbers of any show period. I think I think only Breaking Bad or something was kind of comparable to it, and that's not even in the same genre. So, yeah. like to kind of you know, like I just don't see it keeping those kind of num- pace with those kind of numbers. And like you said with Lord of the Rings, we haven't seen anything Lord of the Rings style since. What was the last movie? Two thousand three. I know we've had the Hobbit. <laughs> the, the, we, I'm not counting the Hobbit nonsense. Like I, I like, you know, you <laughs> guys know how I feel. Get the fuck out of here with the yeah, Hobbit. Yeah, you guys know how I feel about the Hobbit. So like, you know, <laughs> if we if we go by that, we haven't seen what Return of the King was in two thousand three. It's now yeah. almost two thousand twenty three, right? You know, yeah, it's almost not almost years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have almost twenty years here. So like, 
people are going to be super excited, especially you know our age and older, you know, to see what this new thing, what what this thing has with Lord of the Rings name on it and how it's going to go forward. And uh, I think that already has a huge fan base. They've got three books, and like you said, it's a very it's a classic series that people can you can argue between that and a few others of which is the top fantasy fiction franchise of all time. It's definitely in the conversation. And so The Witcher just has doesn't have that because I think you mentioned to me you know, this is this is on Chase here. Uh, he told me that The Witcher the the novels in The Witcher were actually written in Germany by a German author and they were just translated to English. Yep. And so it already is that like a like it already has like that to overcome. The fact that like the books aren't that popular to my knowledge. Maybe I'm yep. wrong, but like you know it has that to overcome. And on top of that, you know Netflix is starting the series out, but. You know, with, with, now it's it's this is now in the base with everything else coming out too. You know, we're talking about Mandalorian, right. like you know uh, Boba Fett, the Obi Wan series, the Ahsoka series, and now you got like the Lord of the Rings. You got <laughs> you got the, the House of Dragon. There's just so much going on. It's like, you know, these these audience members, these viewers, we only have so many eyeballs to watch so many things. It's like, you know, I, so I, I think it's gonna be the best fantasy fiction franchise that's a Netflix original for yeah. sure. But do I think it's going to keep the numbers across the board with the other juggernauts? I don't. I don't think so. I don't see how it yeah. could. But I could be wrong. I hope I am. No, I agree with you 100, percent man. I think. And just to clear that up, I mean the books are popular, but keep in mind one they were very popular in Germany, and they're just starting to really be popular now. Like they really weren't popular for you know the 70s, man. That's a long time. No one really even thought about them until the first season of The Witcher came out. So. But yeah, to answer your question, I think you're right. I think this is this is Netflix's juggernaut, but it's a Netflix juggernaut because you put them on a level playing field, even if, which I hope to dear Lord it doesn't, because you know how big of a Game of Thrones fan I am, and I'm a Targaryen. I'm the Targaryen on the show, Stark Targaryen. I hope it doesn't flop. But my point is, even just on this is even bringing up Lord of the Rings because that's gonna blow shit out of the water because it's Lord of the Rings, but even just on house of dragon and it being a prequel it already has a fan base and like that's the problem is the witcher has a great fan base now and it's done record things for even the first season and pulling netflix success but it's still a growing show and i think that's the answer there so i see it being that third man it's like and the problem is i see it like being third seconds up here and then number one's up here like it's like lord of the rings game of thrones witcher down here it's just the way here's the thing like i don't even think i think you're really underestimating how popular mandalorian is i think the mandalorian is probably just as popular if not more popular than game of thrones at this point like they've already made like three spin-off series just on the mandalorian right like yeah they got the obi-wan series they got the the book of boba fett and they got ahsoka like like that's crazy they know the and that but like you said like you know talking about you know already having a prior fan base Star Wars had a, a big fire fan base. So all these yeah. all these other things, like all these shows that are coming out that that The Witcher has to compete with, do have an existing large fan base. Like Star yeah. Wars, huge fan base. Lord of the Rings, huge fan base. Game of Thrones, huge fan base. It just has a lot to compete with, and it doesn't yeah. I mean, it doesn't take anything away from it. It's still an amazing series, and I enjoy what it is. But like if you're asking me, like numbers wise and popularity wise, if it's gonna you know keep level with them, like probably not <laughs> yeah yeah like we got to be realistic but yeah those are my debates man but it's uh it's been a badass ride for season two here it's been nice to come full circle and you know right when we thought the witcher <laughs> would be over for a while because we know they got to film it then they're throwing some some new stuff at us so it's just interesting to see like how this is going to expand over the years 
Uh, it's a great time, like I said, to be a fantasy fan because what's nice is the minute you always think it's over, like here comes another exciting run Jay Nelly and I will always have. So in uh, this season two here at Factor Fantasy is still jam-packed with shit to do. So <laughs> I'll let Jay Nelly uh, close us out with some remarks from here, man. Yeah, sounds like a plan, guys. So I hope, you know, this has been one of our more exciting ones, one of our more controversial uh, episodes that we've had recently. And so I hope if this is your first time joining us here at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy that you really enjoy what you saw. If you guys, again, have been existing fans from the very beginning, thank you. Chase, again, always says it. Give the credit to him. You guys are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. Uh, we were happy that you're here with us this whole ride. And hopefully the newbies, you want to stick on while we, uh, while we continue going forward. So... With that being said, you know if you haven't done so already, go ahead and leave us a comment, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a star rating on Spotify, send us any sort of uh, correspondence that you deem necessary because we love the audience engagement. It's one of the biggest things that we pride ourselves here at Factor Fantasy. So uh, on top of that, and kind of in the same vein as that, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and take a look at our social media sites. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram at officialridiculouspatronus on TikTok, at Ridiculous Patronus, our Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy, RP Factor Fantasy on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy on Snapchat, and Ridiculous Patronus on YouTube as well. And in terms of where you can find the podcast and where you can listen to it, uh, you can find, well, also one more thing. We also have uh, that website that sometimes I always forget about the ridiculous patronus.blogspot.com that chases a lot of work on. Never wanted, you know, <laughs> do any disc- uh, discredit to that. So uh, we're, we're there as well. You can find us, check us out there. Uh, I believe Chase does some stuff and puts uh, the clips that coincide with what we talk about on that yep. week's episode. So it's actually really cool and really interesting. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. But if you're looking to where you can find our podcast, you can find us anywhere that you get your podcast. So if you're an iPhone user, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on iTunes. If you're an Android user, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, we're on Audible, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Podbean, we're on Stitcher, we're on ACOS. We're wherever you get your podcast, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. But we're out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, signing off. off.